the combination of Dexter and my skin attacking me. Hello, and welcome to episode 186 of Flicks in the Six. Some call it the last podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me forever and always. The man, the myth, the shameful squire, Alessandro Bielsi. Say hello, Al. He will call me sir. 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 <laughs> On this week's episode, trailers. 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 Well, well played. <laughs> All before diving into our flick of the week, the last duel. But first, Al, it took everything in me to not break when I was reading that portion of the intro. Because when I typed it out earlier today, there was an autocorrect that I left in. And I was like, surely I will say it right when I get there. I did. I got it right. But like, it, it was hard not to because I wanted to make sure that I remembered to get back to it. Um, but it autocorrected the shameful squire. Do the shameful squirt. And I almost called you oh, the shameful squirt. <laughs> there was a shameful squirt there was in this definitely movie. Shame. And I, I don't mean to say that as a joking or belittling, but it did happen several hundreds of years ago. So sure. There was shame. And there was also a, a shameful shiver that followed it. It was, it was yeah. uncomfortable to watch. There are many shameful things about this movie. Uh, but more on that later. <laughs> First, what are we drinking? We're drinking Anthony's least favorite, formerly possibly favorite, but now <laughs> currently least favorite breweries. Oh, well, go on. You can say what the brewery is. Okay, it's Alternate Ending Beer Company. Uh, sorry, I was going to let you well, complete uh, the interjection. I'll, I'll, I'll dive in now that you've said the name of it. Is I actually bought two more beers from them this past week. It sounded That's like it. you were trying to say something about that a few minutes ago, and you like cut yourself yeah. off. <laughs> they uh, they sounded really, really good, and they had great names. And okay. I was like, ooh. One is called Schwing, <laughs> and the other, <laughs> the other is Silver Tuna. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like... All right, I'll bite. And <laughs> I read the description. I was like, I'm going to have to get these. Uh, pleasantly surprised. Nice. Two of their best beers. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, I got to say, um, I don't know if this is one that I drank when we went. Probably yeah. not. They, well, they have what ifs that rotate in style. So. Okay. Uh, obviously, I have not tried this one yet, but I, I will say, pursuant to our conversation with last week's episode, um, I did catch some wafts of delightful aromas. Well, after I poured this, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm looking forward to tasting that in a few minutes. Um, this is Alternate Ending Beer Company's What If IPA. It's 7.5% alcohol by volume. It came in a pint, which at least that makes up for some bit of your distaste for sure. the company brand, whatever, et cetera. Again, I don't want to like I don't want like, to mislead anybody. It's more it's more the like manager guy who I really don't like. Okay. And is it like the owner? Or is it like the manager is. of like the like restaurant aspect of the? I'm not, I, it's it's unclear to me. Okay, I just know that I don't like them. I, well, I just don't want to smear. I just don't want to smear the brewery if the no, guy no. who was managing like no, the it's, restaurant it's, part of the brew pub was it's, the dick. It's two I mean? separate. It's two separate. It is definitely the guy that was managing the brew pub side of it. I don't know what his actual stake is. Okay. Um, just not, I don't know, as a person who's run a restaurant, it's just not how you do it. Sure. Um, the other side of it is, it. I think it just took them some time to get their footing. That happens too. And it was just totally fine. And like the earlier beers were just kind of meh. That's there, were, there were some good ones. There were most meh. And now the last couple that I've had, which is why I'm, I'm making sure that I say it here, 
have been really good. The one, especially the two that I just had, they were fantastic. Well, I just so, I always feel like I'm behind on the the timeline of whatever your thoughts are on this brewery because sure. the only reason we ever started talking about it a lot was because you came to me and said, "Oh, I've had a bunch of beers from this brewery. It's right down the road, and I love the beers." And I was like, "Oh, cool!" And you're like, "Plus, I really love the aesthetic of yeah. the place." So I was like, "Cool!" And then we went, and ever since we went, it seems like you've yeah. soured on them since then. Yeah. And I'm like, "Oh." I they're coming we, back though. Coming I thought back. we liked this place, and now I'm finding out we don't like this place. Yeah. And now that I'm continuing to like run with that joke of we don't like that place anymore, you're like eh, actually, and I don't know what to think anymore. Sure, I will say, I I think I went in with higher expectations, and then I also I definitely had that uh uh you know like did you, you get the seven movie? year itch? Is that what happened? Like you know how like when you like have whether it be a a friendship or a relationship. Like you think I love you, man. Right. Where he like Peter Clavin meets Sidney Fife and they hit it off and they become way too good friends. And then they have like one fight and then like they break up essentially. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Whoa. And that happens with romantic relationships too. I was like, you know, every just let's, let's all just calm down. We got too excited. We got too ahead of ourselves. Things are good. They can still be great. We just gotta, just got to smooth things out and realize there were some unrealistic expectations. And now we're on the same footing. This is, it, it's slightly different. Oh my God. I almost sliced my thumb off. It's slightly different. <laughs> it just, I was playing with the can and my thumb just went fully into the whole of the top. It's a, uh, it's that whole thing. You know, when you see a movie and you're like, man, that was great. I loved that. And then you rewatch it and you're like, Oh, okay. Some holes, Bang some over. major holes, but what the hangover. The Hangover, the first one. Yeah, hmm, I guess I'll have to rewatch it. Well, no, that's the point. It's like the first time you see that movie, it's like the greatest thing ever. Yeah, the rewatchability is not great. Like, not yes. to say it's a bad movie. It's just like, oh, this isn't actually the greatest thing ever. It doesn't have huge replay value because so much of what made that movie great was shock value. Yeah, I, I, you know what it is for me. It's like uh, I I remember seeing when I see saw Spider the third Spider Man movie in theaters. I was so pumped to see a Spider-Man movie that I just enjoyed it. I just straight up had fun watching it. And then when I rewatched it, I went, what is happening here? <laughs> Some choices were made. <laughs> Listen, I always was weirded out by the weird emo phase. Sure. Well, specifically, it's it's really just the thing where he's walking down the street and then he's like snapping his fingers. Finger snaps, yeah. The rest of the emo experience was just a choice and you can agree with it or disagree with it and that's fine. Um... The finger snap thing, I, I cannot abide. That's fair. That's fair. I was just like, we'll get past this. And sure enough, we did. the scenes move on. But All right, back to the beer. What if IPA? I'm not sure how much, how much of this you read already. Oh, yeah. What if <laughs> Forrest didn't run Forrest run? And I would like to pause there because I like that it didn't stop on what if Forrest didn't run. <laughs> it's what if Forrest didn't run Forrest run. <laughs> no. Yeah, but you know what though? This is a terrible sentence or at least a poorly constructed one because if they put the run Forrest one in quotes, it works with the way sure. they chose to construct the sentence, but they didn't do that. Yeah, who was hating on the brewery? What if Mia Wallace <laughs> What if Mia Wallace never checked Vincent Vega's pocket? Sure. What if Kobayashi is really Kaiser Soze? Mm. Does he give her a foot massage? Thus ending the debate on whether it's okay to give the boss wife a foot massage? Did Kobayashi even exist? Was he just a name on a mug? Isn't not existing really Soze's whole thing anyway? <laughs> Do we find out what he's being investigated for? And we'd miss out on that amazing beard that inspired so many of us. Find out what he's being investigated for. 
feel like I'm missing context on that one. I'm also a little confused by this puzzle. Um, well, the one on the bottom is the Forrest Gump one. Listen, the Kobayashi one is easy, right? Right, because they said it's it. referenced in both. <laughs> <laughs> the one, the the Run Forest Run one, I think is easy because there's a sneaker next to it. Ah, I see. And then the lighter also kind of pairs well with the other one. Um, I don't know what that means, though. Do we find out what he's being investigated for? And we miss out on that amazing beard that inspired so many of us. Was he being investigated? Not to the best of my knowledge. Didn't we like just? Didn't we do Forrest Gump? No. Did I rewatch Forrest Gump recently for no reason, other than I enjoy the movie? When you say "did we do it," did you did you mean to say did you rewatch it recently because we planned on doing it? Because we definitely didn't plan on doing it, but that would have been a more we didn't do the huh we. We cer- listen, we certainly haven't done it since we came back from the hiatus. I'm 99.9% sure we've never done it on the show. Sure. I, the thing is, I feel like I actively, like, I was like, I made a conscious decision, like, planning a night to watch it, and I think I did. And I can't remember what. So you're not even 100% sure whether you saw it recently. I did see it recently, because I, I, I could picture, I just don't know when it was. I, I don't, honestly, I've got no gauge of time over the past three years. Okay. Um. I will say that uh, it, in recent weeks, there's been a couple of times where I've, I've gone back to look at stuff from older episodes of the show, just for me, like orienting some of my own like show notes and like helping to streamline some of my own process and stuff like that. Mm. And I realized my sense of time from all the movies that we've done in the pandemic era has been warped where it feels like there's some movies that I just think is like, warped. <laughs> yeah. No, like there's a couple of movies that like, Oh, we did that movie like six months ago. And it was yeah. like, a year and a half ago. And it's like, no, yeah, that's, that's, that's fair. I, I will say, no, at 186 episodes, I feel like there's going to come a time where like, we should do this one. And neither one of us remembers that we've already done it. Well, we've already run into that issue a couple times in the past month or so where <laughs> like, like right now where you were certain that we did Forrest Gump, but it's like, no, yeah. we definitely didn't. Now mm-hmm. I can understand if maybe I forgot, like maybe say at the end of a recording where we were exhausted and both of us don't retain those memories at that point. It's like, did we discuss doing it? That could be up for debate, but I, I'm yeah. quite certain we've never done it for the show. We certainly haven't done it in the last few weeks, whether or not we had intended to, but I'm like 99.999% sure we never discussed doing it on an upcoming episode. So yeah, you, I think you just watched it because you wanted to watch it, which is fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's totally fine. Um, um, that being said, I was going through some of my old notes to like, because like I had set up a system for myself where after a certain bank of episodes that we've have already completed, I archived a certain amount of them in a particular spot so that I could go back and reference them, but they're out of my way. So I don't have a lot of clutter in my face when I'm looking for current or recent like notes for like episodes. Oh, oh, okay. Gotcha. And I was scrolling through some stuff and basically I realized I hadn't archived them. I don't know if it's quite from the beginning of the pandemic, but like it's at some point during the pandemic that I had not archived back since I had a, a big backlog of notes to like store mm. away where I needed them. And I came across, cause like I have the episode titles. I do the episode titles every week and I try and incorporate in some way, shape or form the brewery or the beer and some part of the title of the movie. That's our naming convention. But on my notes, I write episodes. Somebody's mind was just blown. <laughs> I'm sure that anyone who's listening to this, if, especially if this is not the first episode you've listened to, you've probably figured it out by now. <laughs> that being said, um, I just wanted to make sure I said that so that I could then go on to say my notes. I don't do that for, I don't actually store that information anywhere other than on the episode title. What in my note, it's the convention I put for my notes is episode 
insert number here, mm-hmm. colon, and then the name of the movie. Just yeah, so it's, I came across one of those as I was scrolling through them all to like collect them and put them in my archive. I came across an episode title that I just flat out could not place the movie. I was like, huh. I don't know what that is. We did that episode. It is completed. It was from some time ago. Pandemic era. I don't know what the movie is. So I had to literally go on IMDb, look up the title of the movie. Amazing. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, do you want to guess which one it was or not? Uh, I almost want you to tell me the title of it and see if I forget. <laughs> the Little Things. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jared Leto. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Denzel Washington. I, I saw this title in my notes and I was like... <laughs> That's not what the fuck is the little things? <laughs> and I looked it up and I saw the, the like the header image and I was like, oh yeah, wow. I totally forgot. I absolutely remember doing that movie for the yeah, show. Yeah. Totally forgot that was the was name of the Gary movie. Was Gary on it? No. Was somebody on it? I think it was just us. Oh, all right. But I 100% remember doing the movie. Yeah. I just flat out forgot that's what it was called. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I I mean, it. it I didn't. It didn't immediately register for me either. I had to yeah. go into the Mind Palace, but it was there. The Mind Palace. <laughs> it was very Hannibal Lecter of you. <laughs> oh, man. So this That's great. Uh, I will say you fr- you f- didn't read the whole can. Established in 2020? I encourage you to look underneath. 23? Doesn't say anything on yours? The bottom of my can? Yeah. There's just the number 23. Mine says you're a swell egg, Kim. <laughs> no, mine has like an indentation of the number 23. Ah, weird. Yeah. Yeah, mine says you're a swell egg, Kim. And then, um, so we have, uh, I told you the one that I drank recently was called Schwing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it was it was um, uh, Wayne's World on the front. And then like, it was like the one of those ones with the two characters and the silhouettes. It was Beavis and Butthead, and the like the silhouette casting the members of Wayne's World. Yeah. And on the bottom, it said, "A sphincter says what," <laughs> <laughs> which is just wonderful. <laughs> but anyway, this is what if, and we're yes. gonna try it. Correct. Cheers. Cheers. I don't have glass this time. <laughs> My glasses don't clink; they just thud. I, I know. Yeah, your glasses are weird. I usually do the clink because I usually have like a glass bottle or a glass of water, but I'm not drinking water. I'm drinking coconut water on the side here. But I have two glasses here, water. and if I were to... That was a better one than usually. It's usually... better, but it's not a it's not a clink. It's not a great clink. It's kind of in that It's interval. probably because both glasses are full, full. Well, I think it's two things. One, for whatever reason, the consistent, like, the actual like, consistency of those glasses that you have is like slightly weird. Hmm. And two... It's the long fluted like champagne type, like yeah, the tall. There's like, not a lot to resonate. Lager glass as opposed to like a regular pint glass. Sure, this beer sure. smells really good. Still, it does I'm, smell very I'm, good. I'm, I'm I'm wafting it again, and it's this smells like a beer I would expect you to like because this is very yeah. like New England IPA style. Mm-hmm. It's very juicy on the nose. It is juicy on the nose. It's, it's juicy on the palate as well. This, this, this podcast is juicy on the nose. I was a little concerned by you saying the last podcast. I, am, I, am, am I not aware of? No, no more podcasts are allowed to be made. No new shows. Oh, okay. So this, this is it. show will be the final podcast when it's all said and done, is what That's you're right. saying. Okay. We're, I was worried this is our last episode. Armageddon has happened. Somehow we slept through it in a bunker. <laughs> we still record for ourselves. The last podcast. I mean, what else would we do to stop from going insane? Sure, that's true. 
There's no more movies to watch, though. That's terrifying. Hmm. The beer is bitter, more bitter than I expected. But I do think that, that I'm kind of curious if uh, it's not like bitter, bitter. It's just more bitter than I was expecting based on the nose. But This, um, isn't, this is an interesting one. for Yeah, because I, I feel like the New England style IPAs tend to not have much in the way of bitterness in the way that like most IPAs you would expect to be. Like that's right. a signature aspect. It's a qualification kind of that's required for an IPA. Um, it's interesting, though, because it's balanced really well with the juiciness and like that juiciness connotes a level of sweetness even if it isn't actually sweet mm. and that counterbalancing the bitterness is an interesting experience i kind of dig it it's i've never mm. quite experienced this in an ipa before even in the style of beer cool. i'm uh, i dig it it's, it's it? kind of it's it's I, I, well crafted i want to say mm. okay i find it um a little bit on the drier side which i don't oh i i don't really we have two. We have two different. Well, actually, so here's. A, I'm assuming that we have both. We both have the same what if because I imagine the can would have different sayings on it. I just know that there's more than one. <laughs> well, I was to say I saw you when you were pouring it before we turned it on, and I was like, "Oh, okay, good. He's got the same exact can or whatever." You said the same the thing about different what ifs, but yeah, like you said, since there's the same quotes on it, yeah. But then I'm also a little confused as to why mine just has a generic number twenty three on the bottom. You know, it's very possible that I got more of these at one point, and you have a fresher one than I do. Oh, okay. Um, because I'm actually fairly certain that this is from like the first thing that I picked, or maybe the second. I'm still to- I'm still thrown off by this 23. Is this like a reference to the number 23 by the Jim Carrey movie? Oh, wait a minute. Hang on. Now, now I'm I'm also curious. That's all. It's a- there's not even like a date or anything. No, it's literally like someone pressed into the bottom of the cap. Like I, cause I can feel the raised texture what? of the 23. Why? I don't know. Uh, it's really throwing me off. Cause I, I just don't get it. I'm going to search something 23. Yeah. Cause a lot of cans have like the date printed on the bottom. It doesn't have that at all. And it's not printed. It's, is that it's the, like, is that like this? Um, it's imprinted. What it, it maybe it, I would assume it has something to do with one of the movies. I certainly can't think of any reference to the number 23 in Forrest Gump or in The Usual Suspects. Uh, I'm going to say something here that might, might offend some people listening to a movie podcast, but I'm actually not sure what the Mia Wallace, Vincent Vega thing is. Is that from Pulp Fiction? Yeah. Okay. I thought so, but I wasn't 100% sure. Uh, I've never actually seen that whole movie start to finish. So 23 Forrest Gump? Mm, nope. Literally the only twenty usual suspects. <laughs> literally the only twenty-three thing with movies I can think of is the Jim Carrey movie. Yeah, the Usual Suspects soundtrack twenty-three. The Was War. there twenty-three songs in the soundtrack? Oh, interesting. I am fascinated by this. Right. Um. Whoa. How weird is this? What? Usual Suspects episode twenty-three on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Did we just uncover some Illuminati shit? <laughs> I think so. I think that's something to do with these connected dots on the front of the can. <laughs> okay, we need to move on. We've got trapped yeah, in this, tw- this 23. I, I'm going two thuckles. <laughs> I would go three thuckles. I really dig this beer, actually. I'm just fine on it. It's just it's, it's just okay for me. It's feel it it that t- that sip wasn't dry. Yeah, this is not a dry beer. I, I was very thrown by that. The as well. first, the first bunch was. Did I like? Did you pour the whole can out? 
Yes. Hang on, I'm gonna get to the bottom of this. We're gonna go one more. Hang on, is that the, is that the problem? Rinse. Did you like? Did you? I mean, I at this point with craft beers, I tend to leave the final five percent in the can. Did you pour a hundred percent of it into the can? Is that why? No, I got a little bit, a little bit okay. at the bottom there. Um, I usually it's so funny because like what'll happen is I'll that I'll only pour the whole thing out when I'm like talking to you and I'm distracted, and I just happen to look back as that as just the last bit of like swill falls into the glass and swill. ruins the entire beer like you see it's like oh wow that looks really beautiful and then all of a sudden it's just like we've just like, we've both like- <laughs> done that so many times because we were usually distracted <laughs> while pouring the beer and it's like wow this is crystal clear and beautiful and i turn back and talk to you and i look back and i'm like oh my god no. there is so much floating in my beer right <laughs> there's, now there's one time where i did that and i was so mad because i was like i was really looking forward to it and i poured it back through a strainer and i was like well this just made things so much worse <laughs> <laughs> One, it didn't filter anything out, and two, it just foamed everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, was it more or less foamy than my disappointing triple that you? Oh drank my god! During I, the super bowl, you ever, you know, I've never made a science fair volcano. <laughs> I didn't realize that I had one in the refrigerator. <laughs> I told you that some of those beers that I've given you, specifically the ones that you leave sitting around for a long time, are gonna foam a lot. Yeah. Okay. And you probably told me that, like. Two years ago, when you gave me the beer, and I have sure you've had that that specific beer for at least two years. Well, in my defense, I had it on the show beer shelf because I thought it was a show beer. (laughs) I don't remember, (laughs) which is why it was sitting there all that time, and I never touched it. I was like, surely we'll get to these one day. And I thought to myself on many occasions, how is Al gonna know which one's which? Sure enough. You don't. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny because I had a couple of people over for the Super Bowl the other day. And <laughs> is that what happens after you eat all those snacks? <laughs> <laughs> no, Superb Owl, not Super Bowl. That's a Dan Levitard thing. <laughs> Isn't that a, that's a, what's it called? Um, I'm sure other people have made that joke. No, before, what but... we do in the shadows. Yeah, Superb Owl, yes. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, that was last year, the, the superb <laughs> owl party. Um, the, <laughs> I So one of my friends came over or was coming over. He goes, I'm only coming over if I can have some owl's ales. And I said, mm. you can have them, but it's going to be mystery owl's ale. Sure. You know, like, I don't understand. I said, well, what happened was in my refrigerator, I had like three or four different types of owl's ale in different physical locations in the refrigerator. And I knew which one was which based on the location. And someone decided to rearrange the fridge and put all of them in the same spot. So now I don't know which one's which anymore. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Until I've opened the beer. I don't know. I have a very, I have a solution to this problem. I have, basically have a do not touch sign <laughs> on the top shelf. And my do not touch, it's not like aggressive. It just says show beers. And it's a giant piece of cardboard that blocks the top shelf. Granted, I have, I'm I have really the only one that goes into the fridge. Sure. You have a much easier situation because you there are two adults that live in your house, one baby, mm. two cats. And I don't anticipate <laughs> the, the entire rundown. <laughs> I don't anticipate the cats or baby opening your fridge anytime soon. Hmm. It's only your wife. And considering it's literally just a beer fridge, I don't anticipate her going and <laughs> two adults, a baby, and two cats. A new sitcom coming to ABC this fall. <laughs> no, two adults, a baby, two cats, and a beer fridge. <laughs> and, a beer fridge. <laughs> and I don't anticipate any of those other people or cats rifling through your fridge anytime that's, soon. That's, that's true. That's fair. I live in a house with 
other people. Mm-hmm. And Seth. they doesn't matter how many times I explain to them what I need them to not do with the beers in the fridge. It's so funny because what you need them to not do is nothing. You need them you need them to do nothing. <laughs> Just don't do anything. Pop well, up. The, You're the, doing too much. <laughs> the rule the rules have gotten simple the rules have gotten simpler now because someone already fucked up the Al's Ales. So sure. the only rule is don't touch any of the beers on the on the door. Don't touch the door. Just no don't touching. touch the door. Like Can you put, please put a picture of George Bloop? No with touching. his hand, with his hands up. <laughs> All they have to do is not touch the beers on the door. And everything will be okay. And even that, every once in a while, gets like messed with. And it's like, I know what's happening. You have an entire refrigerator to do whatever you need to do with. Whatever you please. Just don't touch the ones at the door. Just don't touch. Because you and I discussed a couple of weeks ago when I had run through my first batch of like show beers that I put in the apartment here, and I asked you to give me a list of the beers on the on that you have for the show. And there's a handful of beers on the list that I can't find, mm-hmm. and I found most of them, but like a couple of them I couldn't find. And I'm not sure if they got drank by someone or they got moved out of the fridge because they need to move out of the fridge. And I just don't know where it was stored. Sure. And so eventually I'm going to have to come to terms with all of that. But I grabbed a bunch of them. So we're good for the next couple of months. But no. Yeah. It's been a while since we've had a drop. I anticipate a drop. Well, if we around flicks and a whisk, <laughs> I would say if we can link up this flicks and a whisk for the Oscars this year, do then... we just record us watching the Oscars? Is that what it comes down to? We, uh, I mean, we we could. We've we had four hour episodes before. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. It depends on how what level. I feel no. We we can't do it because Kim's not gonna go for that. Yeah, we'll see. If she doesn't know the mic is on. <laughs> I'm just saying that Kim. I'm just saying that Kim enjoys. Is that how we finally get her on the show? Is we record her against her will? Yeah. What are what are the recording rules? You're a star. You're the, a star. You're a star. What are the what are the what are the recording rules in the state of New Jersey? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. Um, is it a two party uh, state? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh man. I'm still waiting on us doing that movie. What was that? Was it a Ryan Gosling movie that she wanted to do like four years ago? Wasn't it? I, I thought you wanted to do Just Friends. I, I don't know. That would be I, entirely through you. But no, there was some other, uh, like there was a Ryan Gosling movie that she mentioned that I that I had never heard of before that she's like, oh yeah, I watched it in high school and I loved it and I haven't seen it since. And so I kind of wanted to rewatch it and I was like, oh, sure. That's kind of a cool way that. to do yeah. that. I don't yeah, remember the name of that movie though. So Maybe she remembers. I'm sure she'll remember it. I'm sure if you say to her, Kim, what was the movie you wanted to do for the show? She's going to say, I don't know. And then you're going to yeah, say, well, naturally. And then you're going to say, Ryan Gosling was in it. And then she's going to be like, oh, it was blank. Right. Obscure movie title here. They've probably yes. seen it. But, Al, I think we've rambled long enough. It's time for news and nuggets. Okay. Uh, what if you insist? is new? <laughs> I mean, what does that really mean, right? That means that we're <laughs> going to talk about some other things that are movie-related and continue to ramble on. I mean, it might be Rambo! horny stuffed animals. You don't know. Uh, what? I said it might be stuffed horny animals? stuffed animals. You don't know. What did I want to read into the, the episode? I gave you a great title for the episode. I forget what it was. Yeah, it was Cock Socks and... <laughs> and Fuck Bears. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> My phone is plugged in over there and I can't read That's it. Fine. You texted, you texted it's, me. It's, I don't remember. It's unimportant. Uh, there was a bunch of trailers that dropped along with the Super Bowl. Um, as Super Bowl, say it right. During the Super Bowl. Ba- <laughs> during the Super Bowl. 
Um, and some of which I was pretty, pretty stoked on. Uh, were there any in particular that you were excited about? Sorry, trailers or commercials? Sure. No, I just, I was distracted. What trailers. did you say? Okay. Sure. Uh, yeah, sure. So, well, I had a story here from like a few days ago. I want to say Friday of last week. Why am I guessing? I have the date on this article. Huh. It was February 10th, which makes it Thursday of last week. Huh. <laughs> um, and it was on Variety. No, sorry. Vanity Fair. Something else on Variety later. Um, it was on Vanity Fair. It was. In- <laughs> You're like, oh, I guess we're doing this story first. <laughs> nope. No, the problem is I have two tabs that have V icons in the top. One of sure. them is Variety and one of them is Vanity Fair. Um, it was about Amazon's Lord of the Rings series rising inside the rings of power. And they showed a bunch of still shots and talked about the show. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's very long, but I'm giving you all the title and where it was so that you can find it and peruse it at your own leisure because it was a really cool thing because we still don't know much about the show, or at least we didn't until six days ago from when we're recording this, not from when you hear it because I can't promise when that'll be sure that that being said, I found this article to be riveting. <laughs> Articably. <laughs> I yes. found this article. <laughs> this article to be fairly riveting on the topic of the show, The Rings of Power. Um, and Anthony, I can send this to you as well. I didn't want cool. to like taint the jury pool. Um, but they showed a bunch of stills. They talked about who they cast in it, what the show is about. Also, some of like, the behind the scenes is how the show was made. Nice. Really cool, because this is a level of information we just clearly have not had. Right. And then... They went and did the thing. They showed us the trailer. Didn't tell us they were showing us the trailer at the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Anthony, what did you think of the trailer? I uh, I got I got no idea what's going on. Okay, well, this article will help you a little bit. But okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I, from the trailer, I would say I'm like, okay, I I know I you know what I know now that I didn't know before. Mm-hmm. It's coming out in September second. That's a lie. We talked about this a few weeks ago when the when the teaser trailer dropped with Sorry. the title and i told you it was coming out on september well, 2nd i did not retain that information <laughs> until now <laughs> it was like one of those things where like i don't retain it until i've written it down this is technically a diane krugering because i told you and you had no idea what was going on and then you saw it again and heard it again <laughs> <That's fair. laughs> oh man uh yeah i don't know I, I, otherwise i have no there was no real i feel like there was nothing about like what's actually going on in it it looked Interesting. It looked fun, um, but otherwise, I got I got nothing to go on. Okay, so yeah, there were some really cool shots in the trailer. There were some really cool still shots in this. Um, although some of the people are complaining about some things, it's like these are set photos. The lighting isn't going to be the way it looks on the show. Like mm-hmm. everyone, relax. That being said, as far as seeing some set design, some character design, some costume design, some cool stuff with that, just like kind of the general aesthetic and vibe. I thought those things looked generally pretty good. I thought it thankfully didn't look cheap in the trailer. I'd like to still see more before I make render my final judgment sure. on that, but it, it looked good. And I, I mean, it literally isn't cheap. They spent like a billion dollars to this point. And obviously that's an investment into what's like going to continue to go forward and to be like, I think it's just planned to be like five seasons or something like that. Oh, so, um, they talk about this a little in the article. We've already known a little bit of these details, but to reiterate and expand upon it a little bit, this show is going to be about the second age. So if you remember the Hobbit and the original trilogy, you know, the Hobbit trilogy and the original trilogy, which take place about 60 years apart, those two sets of movies, the Lord of the Rings story takes place in the third age, technically 
it closes the third age. The events that finish the third age or finish the uh, return of the king signal the end of the third age or the fourth age starts on from there um, because their epochs start and end with some like defining event or moment. Right. Okay. So the way that the general history of Lord of the Rings goes is the first age is with the first elves and men coming to middle earth and Morgoth's ascent to power on middle earth. And that first huge battle between the allied forces against Morgoth, they throw him down and that ends the first age. That includes the rise of all of the, the Eldarin and the Sindarin, which are the, the, the two main types of elves is the Numenorians who are the high, like near immortal men. Obviously they're mortal, but like the, those are Aragorn's like the last of the line of those, the Numenorians, the men with incredibly long life. Okay. Um, and so the first age ends with all of that. Now Sauron was Morgoth's apprentice. He kind of, when Morgoth gets thrown down, he goes, Hey guys, I'm sorry. I, uh, I'm just a lackey. I worked for Morgoth. I didn't realize how bad of a duty he was. It's just a job. I apologize. I'm going to go fuck off now. And, uh, hopefully we can all be friends now. And they're all like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then he comes back a little while later and says, Hey guys, I made some rings for you. The pretty uh, sweet gift, right? Like I'm not, I'm not so bad a guy, right? Here's, here's some nice rings. Um, I hope you enjoy I like this version, right? Uh, I think, I think we, I think we all would like, that version of Sauron. The problem is, as we all know, those rings, they were all of them deceived as uh, Galadriel mm. might say in the sure. opening uh, scene of fools. The lot of you. <laughs> exactly. And so the second age concerns itself with kind of that whole, those, all those societies being at their quote unquote peak, right? Morgoth's gone. The great enemy is gone. The elves are at their peak. The dwarves are at their peak. The men are at their peak. Sauron develops these rings. And all of those societies fall into chaos in some form or other. And the second age ends with what we see in that opening sequence of the Fellowship of the Ring when they defeat Sauron. That's the end of the second age. Okay. The third age starts and then goes on for like 3,000 plus years. And then we get the events of The Hobbit followed six years later by the end, the, the, the events of The Lord of the Rings. The defeat of Sauron the second time, the destruction of the ring in the fires of Mount Doom signals the end of the third age and the, the kicking off of the fourth age. And technically, we don't really know much about the fourth age because okay. the end of the return of the king, which has like takes place over the course of like, I don't know, 10 years or something like that, or 15 years before Frodo takes one of the last ships to Valinor with the three elven ring bearers. Well, the two elven ring bearers plus Gandalf and Bilbo and Celeborn, like all of them go to Valinor, which is technically kind of like elven heaven. Um, and the rest of the fellowship. And you can just take a boat there. To, yeah, to heaven, yes. Correct. Fascinating. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I am obviously overly simplifying all of this, but for all intents and purposes, yes. I, I, like, I like Lord of the Rings for dummies. This is great. Yeah, I mean, for all intents and purposes, you literally do take a boat to heaven if you're allowed sure. to go. If you're allowed to go there. And like, you no. do have to have an invitation. What happens if you aren't allowed and you get on the boat? I don't know. Interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna assume some form of karma capsizes you, your you you get there and they're like nobody's tried this before. No, I, was just <laughs> I guess we let you in. <laughs> I was gonna assume that some sort of karma either capsizes your boat or like leave like leads you back like around like somehow. Shit. Well, what about everybody else though? That's messed up. Though well, they're not allowed. 
It's very complicated. Um, it's hopefully, science. hopefully, I'll have more information for you somewhere down the line. Uh, more on that during consumption. Okay. That being said, going back to this show, as I said, the second age is about the forging of the rings. That's why the right. show is called The Rings of Power. Right. It's going to kick off. So, do you think it starts with the end of the first age? I wouldn't be surprised if they do. I think a, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, because like, not that we should be copying, but to kind of. Um, There's a mirror. format at play that is very good storytelling. Yeah, well, and especially considering, like, the Second Age, especially in the lead-up to the Wars of the Ring, right, should be very obviously informed by the end of the First Age, and in the same way that the War right. for the Ring in the Third Age is informed by the end of the events from the Second Age. So why wouldn't you have some sort of narration and explanation of the the, the overthrow of Morgoth and the fact that Sauron is this dude who's trying to reform himself, or at least that's what he says. And here's now, from what I understand, right? The second age obviously takes place over the course of a couple thousand years. And this show is going to condense those things down into a sensible timeline for concurrent storylines. Okay. So it's going to be taking a little bit of Liberty as far as time goes on, but if it's going to be several seasons, it makes sense that this may take place over the course of, some years, mm-hmm. um, maybe they do some Wait, sort of Witcher style thing where like some different timelines happen on different like pieces, right? But are you assuming that they're going to condense it, or have they said that? Uh, there was something about that in this article on oh, okay. Vanity Fair that I was talking about. Cool. I was curious, I'm like <clears throat> you know, maybe they do five seasons and each season takes place like significantly further away from the previous one, and like. You're kind of just doing a jump with a backfill and then going forward for like a segment of time. I think that could have been a cool way to do it. Sure, but when you're talking about like 3,000-ish years, like that would require to almost be an anthology series. Sure, sure. Which, when it comes to elves, you can have all the same characters. But when it comes to humans and dwarves, you can't. Right, yeah, that's awesome. Get new ones. And so we already know. they Now, the other cool thing was... I don't know, they age people up on soap operas. Humans that aren't Numenorean tend to live about the same amount of time that humans in our world live. Numenorians back then could live to be about a thousand, I think. Um, obviously, we know by the time of Aragorn's time that his, you know, his his bloodline had been diluted enough that he was no longer true full Numenorean, but he still lived to be like two hundred and fifty ish, I think, two hundred forty two or something like that. Imagine living a thousand years. Oh my god, that sounds exhausting. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Dwarves, I think, could live a couple of hundred years, mm. but um, still, like you know, if you're gonna have the sec the the show take place over the course of like the whole second age, most of your like, well, the, we already know there's gonna be a halfling race as well. It's the precursors to the hobbits, which are known as the Harfoots, um, and they were in the trailer and and in this pictures as well. But like the Harfoots, the dwarves, and the humans are all well not that time i guess they would be more numenorean-esque uh most of the human characters so they would have a longer lifetime but the, the you know the elves live quote-unquote forever right mm-hmm. it's just it's tough to balance it so they made accommodations for that as far as telling it you know, a timeline that allows them to retain their main cast of characters cool. um but as part of this this um the vanity fair article i was mentioning um, which again, I'll, I'll send to you and I've, I've already said the title to everyone else. So you should be able to find it because it came out within the past week or so. They start to finally unveil who some of these characters are playing. Cause we've known a bunch of the actors for a long right. time now, but we didn't know who they were playing. Although there was some speculation. The thing I hadn't seen, which is now confirmed is, uh, Rob, it seems like Robert 
I think it's Robert Aramayo, the guy who played young Ned Stark in Game of Thrones when they have a flashback to the, the Tower of Joy sequence where he's trying to find his sister yep. and he fights. That guy is playing a young Elrond, which no one okay. had known, I think. I think no one had known that until this story came out. So, because we see a still of him, he's clearly playing an elf. And he. It's funny because as soon as I saw him as an elf, I was like, oh, yeah, he does kind of look like a young Hugo Weaving. <laughs> Just That's in the same funny. way. He also weirdly looks like a young Sean Bean, and those two men don't look anything alike. <laughs> but in this picture, I was like, oh, yeah, he's very obvious. He's supposed was, to be a young yeah. Elrond. <laughs> um, and we also know that uh, Morphin Clark is the one who's playing the younger. Galadriel, she's the one who narrated the Rings of Power teaser. Like, Still blown away release. that that was a practical shoot. Yeah, really cool. Very cool. So anyway, I'm excited. This is like the we have real tangible information, trailer, all that stuff. I think that's really cool. And it's an eight episode <coughs> season. Is that what I actually I hadn't? Uh, the only reason I'm saying that with 99.9 percent confidence is that if you were to go on IMDb now, the cast names line up and yes the max is eight episodes so okay i had done a quick look the other day and had seen that they had started to update the character information but i didn't look at the episode count so if all this information um about like the ages and the breakdown and how that all goes wh- where do you find that that's the that's that like a, that other book that's like a kind of like an encyclopedia uh that- about the lord of the rings yeah so some of it is in the appendices, which are at the end of the Return of the King book. Oh, interesting. Some of that information is through the collected works that have been edited by Christopher Tolkien and published across the years. Um, um, well, are they like published? Like, what do they look? What do those look like? Like, what's that format? Um. Well, there's a handful of novels slash novellas. I've read one of them. It was the Children of Hurin, which I believe was in the first age so either the first or second age i forget um and the main one the most major one is the Silmarillion, where they detail a lot of that history which i guess i'll just jump to that part of it now as far as my consumption we'll pull that forward here i started listening to the Silmarillion uh on audible this past week so i've listened to just a couple of chapters but uh i anticipate i will be able to finish all of that within the next month i really just want to finish it by the time the show comes out, but sure. uh, certainly I'll finish in the next four to six weeks. Probably it's not as easy of a read as the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit. <laughs> okay. Um, at least the first couple of chapters, because it's very, the first couple of chapters are like history. The way it reads is very similar to like the early books of the Bible, like especially like specifically like Genesis where like they, they're talking about like, genealogy but in this case it's not even like genealogy of people it's like genealogy of gods which is super confusing because none of the names are recognizable to me and it's this stuff is really dense and tough to listen to i actually probably would have preferred reading this part of it sure because if i didn't feel fully comfortable i could like flip back a page and like read yeah and funny that you should say that i'm dealing with an interesting thing with uh <laughs> i finally started listening to i don't I know we're jumping around but i finally started listening to uh without remorse is that what it's called no remorse without remorse without remorse again uh, i picked it back up where i had left off and i've been doing it at night i've been listening to it and i'm kind of drifting off and turning it off and I must have like let it run for a while one night because like I was like I I'm skipping back minutes. Do you use Audible? Minutes, a few hours? I'm like I don't even know what's going on. 
Do you use Audible? Yeah, that's what that's what I'm listening to. There is a function there for if you listen before you go to bed. Uh-huh. That you can set like some sort of like timer where it turns off automatically. Yeah, so I should do that. That's, yeah, I, that's a really good idea. I've never I have no idea it. what happened. I've never used it because I, I tend to listen at work when I'm when I've run through my podcasting for the day. Yeah. And I don't have anything backlogged. I start to listen to a book. I, I was like, the, I, basically, I started the next day and I was like, I was already tired when I put it on. And I was like, wait a minute. Boxwood Green failed. We stopped. We aborted the mission. I was like, wait, this girl's dead now. What happened? What happened? <laughs> I just saw something about this. I haven't used the function, but I just saw something about it recently. There is there is specifically a function for like if you listen to this before you go to bed and you're inclined to fall asleep while listening mm. to something to read. This is supposed to help protect you against that. So gotcha. Play around with it and find out where yeah, that is. I don't to know do where that, it is, but because I'm also going to have to rewind and like maybe skip a few chapters back because I don't know what I don't know where I'm at. Okay, but yeah. So there's um. I'm still a little bit hazy on the details of, and I'm sure I can, I'll, I, I plan on it in the, in the next few days before I listen again, because I, I am a little bit backlogged now on, on podcasting for the next two days. So I don't know. I'll get to any more of the book before next week. Um, but uh, there, there was a handful of like between the Einar and the Maiar and the Valar and all of that stuff. Like who, like they're all like different levels of like gods and stuff like that. And like, what was the world and not the world and what's also heaven. But like, there was a place that's like even above heaven kind of, I was very confused Okay, by some of that. And I feel like, like reading three dimensional chess. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was a little bit hazy. Like, I feel like I have the gist of it, but I was, I would like to have it more concrete with me, but uh, regardless, I will have even more detailed answers for you somewhere down the line. And we obviously have like six months before eight months before seven months before seven months before we have to have all of those details before the show starts. So fair enough. I'll have all that information. We can have another primer on that, man. There's this set of the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit from Easton press. That is really nice. Like green leather bound books. That sounds pretty awesome. And they look so sick. And you can get it for $395 or five monthly installments of seven. They have installments like an encyclopedia collection. <laughs> <laughs> There's a great episode of Friends where an encyclopedia salesman comes to Joey's apartment. And <sighs> he's like, dude, like he basically is like, oh, and which is it's Penn Gillette, which is great. Oh, he's wow. The salesman. And Joey's like, buddy, I, I got no money. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, I don't, I can't. He only tells him how much like all the books are, and he goes, uh, he was already <laughs> the salesman was reading from V to get him hooked, and he's like, well, what do you, what do you have? And he's like, I got uh and he reaches into his pocket and he goes, oh, these must be challenge pants. I have fifty bucks. <laughs> he goes, that could buy you one book. And he goes, which would you like, A, B? And Joey goes, I'm gonna stick with V. <laughs> And he just gets really into stuff that starts with the V, which is like, great. Which is funny considering his favorite word is vicar. <laughs> it's we, one of the very few. Where are you going, Rich? The vicar won't be home for hours. <laughs> it's one of the very few, like, friends things that I, I, I did get a kick out of that. I, I don't know why. Because like, I know they syndicated on TBS and I turned on the TV <laughs> once and that one was on. And that whole storyline cracked me up. <laughs> Joey. Where did you learn that word? <laughs> Joey, you were in my room. You got porn. You got porn. <laughs> that that whole thing really did crack me up. So it's funny that he grabbed the V encyclopedia. Also, though, is there a person 
Is there a person who needs an encyclopedia more than Joey who also is less likely to have an encyclopedia? <laughs> because he is dumb as a rock. <laughs> there's a well, you know what's funny? I love that there's moments that come through for that character where there's this whole episode around Ross and Rachel, and there's a video of them getting together and they don't know which person came on to which person, right? And Ross goes, I don't, it's like, we don't have to go through this. It doesn't matter who came on to who. And Joey goes, who came on to whom? And they all stop <laughs> and they turn and look at him and he goes, that's right. <laughs> that is good. <laughs> oh, man. I love that shit right. so much. We all have right. more trailers. We got more trailers. Lots of trailers came out. Uh, I would like to start with Doctor Strange yes. and the Multiverse of Madness. Correct. With a pretty awesome first official connection to the X Men universe, is it though? Isn't it? I don't know. Well, we hear it definitely it. sounded like Patrick Stewart's voice. Oh, it was. It, it was. Well, I had no idea that he was in this movie. Neither did I. But I haven't seen any official casting news. I, I saw some other people breaking it down, and an even cooler thing that I don't know how. I didn't do the personal, like, I didn't actually go to find the, the actual frame that they locked in on for the breakdown of the video. But when he's getting, like, torn between dimensions, there's actually a clip where one of them is the animated X-Men universe. Oh, interesting. And well, I don't I know, know if, is, like, how accurate that is, but I was like, that's pretty dope. I didn't realize there was a new Doctor Strange trailer out. I did see someone retweet something randomly that I had no context for today, and now it's like coming into deeper context about Patrick Stewart mm. giving a press conference after Logan saying that him and Hugh Jackman decided that they were no longer going to reprise those roles after that, because they viewed that as their official goodbye mm. because of how affected they were by the movie and the script and all that. Sure. So I now listen, if it's a little cameo that probably doesn't count. Right. You know? Yeah. Especially yeah, it's not like they're like a multiverse situation. His character, they're like, yeah, yeah. Well, like, yeah. If, uh, there's a big difference between this, like, portending that the X Men are now fully on the board, which mm-hmm. we know is something that's going to happen at some point with Disney acquiring Fox. Um, if this was going to open the door to him being Professor X again, because the X Men are going to be a thing again, that's different than him showing up for a five or ten minute cameo as part of a multiverse situation where it's like he's playing that character but that character will only exist in this movie because right whatever x-men we see down the line won't be the x-men we know it's a new form of the that, that's exactly what i would assume too and i think that it's it actually plays really nicely that it would be within this doctor strange movie because he was in no way home and already part of like this storyline of like we're gonna bring people in from other universes just to tie it up and make it really interesting and fun. It doesn't have to be a big thing. It doesn't have to go on and on. But we're just saying that they exist. We're acknowledging the other universes, making them canon in a way. And I think that's really cool. So, like, I, I, I think that that's probably what it will be. It'll just sure. be a... It was interesting, though, because it did seem like in that part of the trailer, they were showing us some sort of, like, council. Council, of, yeah. Like, time-bending people. And I, I guess I just wouldn't have thought that Charles Xavier would have been on that. Council I think that based on his intellect, he would be able to comprehend and cope and deal with that and be part of it as far yeah. as like whatever universe was being like. I understand that. Uh, it's not so much my discounting his intelligence and all that is so far as like, because, well, he has 
mastery of like people's minds. He doesn't have mastery of space and time. Sure. So I would, I just wouldn't like know how he would be aware of that to be a part of said yeah. council. I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see what happens, but that'll be, yeah, that's, it's pretty cool. Cause when you hear the voice, you're like, well, it's, it's I mean, it's unmistakable mm-hmm. unless it's just like a simulated, which I mean, we have the tech to do it, but like, I'm sure it's well, him. Well now, well, now we certainly do. Yeah. But I thought that was, that was pretty exciting. And there's like some wacky stuff going on in that trailer where I'm like, I am really looking forward to this movie. Plus, Comes out two days before my birthday. Yeah, weirdly, I've gotten very excited for this as well, where I've been kind of skeptical in the past. Um, yeah. Intrigued by some of the ideas of it, but kind of skeptical. I'm a little confused by something in the trailer, but, you know, it's certainly it's something that by the time the movie comes out could be thrown into better context, but it's a little odd how, I mean, I, I mean, we, we saw Spider-Man um, No Way Home, but it feels like Wong is throwing it on Doctor Strange's plate that the whole multiverse situation is open and it's like, it feels pretty concretely like Loki was the one responsible for that. Sure. I don't know that not, they know was, that yet. Sure. I mean, and I also it's not to say that Dr. Strange didn't have a part of the piece of the puzzle, right? Like it could be the, the intersection of the two things is what caused it. But like, if we were forced to pick one person who's most responsible, it feels to me, well, no, sorry. Not Loki being responsible, but the Loki show, like the events right, of that event show, of show. Yeah. were would be the most responsible because they unleashed the whole Kang conundrum on the multiverse. Ooh, I like right? that. I hope that's the subtitle of a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Strange and the Kang conundrum. That's as the third we, one. <laughs> as long as we spell conundrum with a K. Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, really, like that tips off the events of this multiverse phase of the of the MCU much more than Doctor Strange's thing did. Like, yeah, like I understand that he lowered the wall. So unless unless we want to say like Doctor Doctor Strange's interference weakened the integrity of the walls between worlds and Loki and like the show the events of the show of Loki were the straw that broke the camel's back, fine. But the point is that's really the inciting incident as yeah. far as I see it so far. Maybe this movie will throw us in a greater context, but like it seems incorrect to lay this at the feet of Dr. Strange solely. I, yeah, I, I agree. I am also curious that like I do, I am going to imagine that it, it, it probably has something to do with like, they don't, they don't know the context of the other stuff that's going on. So it would make sense that it is what he did in the events of no way home that triggered some of the stuff. But um, yeah, I'm curious how it all plays together. Also, it's like, is it like the like this the variants uh, and everything going crazy? Like, and these actions that he takes in No Way Home, like, are they all like just some? If they all happen together, like the multiverse explodes. Like, you know, like similar to the whole like, there's only one path where we win this fight in Endgame type of thing. Like, all of these things happen that really like make everything unstable and kind of blow it open. Who knows? Oh, you've your sound has disappeared for me. Sorry, I oh. had muted, I had, I had <laughs> muted my mic, and then I was certain I un- unmuted it, but I apparently failed at unmuting it. So fair enough. Um, like, I, I'm just glad I don't have to edit anything. Sure. Um, that being said, uh, <laughs> the only other thing I was wondering is, and I wouldn't consider this a retcon, but maybe you could call it kind of a quote unquote soft retcon. Does this conversation that we obviously don't have the full context for with 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 Wong and Strange, could this be in reference to, well, the one solution, the one path of the 15 million 
to beat Thanos. Mm-hmm. Does that lead to all of these things, including the Loki storyline unfolding, right? Yeah, well, and I think that that is interesting, right? Because it also kind of plays into the, it, it starts to get into like Matrix territory of like, do we have free will? Like what, like, or like, are these events going to unfold a certain way? Well, no, I, I, actually, I look at it even, slightly different is, is this the law of unintended consequences where it's like, okay, this is the great, the greatest start that we see to the universe right now. And we pursued the one thing, but did he not look far enough down the timeline? This actually goes into some Dune stuff where, which obviously you haven't gotten to this stage of the story yet, but like, mm. we know like Paul Atreides can see into the future, but he only looks so far, so far into the future. And then the next like successive books realize like, like show you like, okay, you look to a certain point and maybe you saw snippets of what happens way down the line but you haven't found the connective tissue between those two things yet. You solved this massive problem. Didn't understand where that would lead you next. Where it's like, okay, you fixed this problem, which seems like the end of the world right now, but in the greater context of all eternity is only a drop in the bucket. And the fixing the small problem here actually causes bigger problems down the line. Interesting. So, cause that would allow, that would be something that I think would like in a greater context would make sense where it's like, Oh, you solved the Thanos problem, which to you felt like the end of the world. And that's great and all, but you didn't realize that fixing that thing is going to fuck everything up 10 times worse in a way that you couldn't even possibly imagine yeah, five years down the line. That's, that's interesting. I like that. And then like maybe the context of that, you know, that conversation of like where he's at fault for this is not so much what we were thinking of no way home with the actions there, but more so the fact that he looks at Iron Man and gives him, the number like raises his finger. This is it to make him do stuff to make him take the path that leads out. That could be pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, cause I'm just thinking like, okay, wow, you found the one thing that allowed you to defeat Thanos. But if you looked further down the timeline, yeah. maybe Thanos winning doesn't allow the multiverse to implode. Right. Which, you know, it's pick your poison, right? What's sure. the, the worst of all the outcomes. And now, of course you always can continue to look. It's that whole, that old fable of, you know, there and I'm gonna horribly butcher it in the paraphrasing it, where it's like you know oh you know this great man had a, a son and the son falls off his horse and breaks his leg and someone says oh how terrible and he says let's see and then you find out because he broke his leg he doesn't have to go to war and so the the son doesn't die in the war and oh how great and he says oh well let's see and you know and yeah. like that the whole i forget i know it's been referenced a million times in a million different things but that was in i forget there's a movie or a tv show that that was a, a very famous part of and i'm totally drawing a blank on what it was from now mm. um but i you know, i wonder if it's that situation where it's like oh the the thanos winning scenario is the only thing we could see in our field of view and that seems like the greatest possible existential threat we can face not realizing that there was something 10 times worse just past it. just talking about all this stuff makes me even more excited to see this yeah i've become weirdly pretty, excited for this for like up. a movie like the first one was fine yeah yeah and i've i i feel like i'm I've always been much more interested in the idea of the character of Dr. Strange than what we've he, actually seen on screen. So far, like he seems to play well with others. Like as far as the, as far as movies are concerned, like his, his standalone one, like you said, it, it's fine, but him being peppered into no way home, him being a big part of uh, infinity war and Endgame, like those things work really well. Whereas his standalone doesn't quite reach that level. 
it just feels like there's so much more they could do with this character and aren't. Sure. Well, I'm also curious, like, this is, this one is also kind of looks, seems like maybe it's going to start to eke into the ensemble territory a little bit more. And maybe he just needs a little bit of extra support, like, to make that character more exciting or accessible. Because, that, like I said, like, he is more, he's more memorable in those roles where he was part of the bigger team. So, he also, Stephen Strange is kind of a dick. Yeah. So, like, that, that, I think that is, it's by design that the character was, you know, executed on screen that way. But at the same time, it didn't make for the most compelling Marvel movie. Yeah. Um, so I just, I just considering the, and I only know the broadest of strokes, but considering I know how important Dr. Strange is to Marvel lore. It's so odd that we've barely seen him in the forefront. Yeah. I pulled up the movie cause I was curious um, if there was anything else I missed character wise, like on the casting. Yeah, and, how, how about Baron Mordo's dreadlocks? <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> um, that was pretty great. Uh, but I, so I was going through it. They do have Patrick Stewart listed here on the top cast. And then also, this is the one that really caught my eye. Uh, I wanna, I'm going to read you a few of these tickets so that you get the, the cadence of how the cast is listed on IMDb, right? This is Benedict Cumberbatch as Dr. Stephen Strange. Elizabeth Olsen as Wanda Maximoff. Rachel McAdams as Dr. Christine Palmer. Benedict Wong as Wong. Yes. Tony McCarthy as police. Weird. <laughs> as all police? <laughs> just, yeah, just all of the police. It's the police. <laughs> also uncredited as police? Yeah, uncredited as police. Very strange. Um, Dr. Stephen Strange? Dr. Stephen Strange. Oh, we're using our made-up names. <laughs> Anyway, looking forward to that. Um, and it's soon. May will be here before you know it. There was another trailer in the DC universe. And it sounds like you may have missed it. But it was a trailer for the Batman, Aquaman, Flash, and Black Adam all at one time. Now, is that a real trailer? I looked up different DC stuff and I didn't see anything recent. So I didn't know what it was. I was hoping you would send it to me, but you didn't have it on uh, hand. So. I, I didn't send it to you. And it's also really not worth your time, I don't think. Uh, but basically, it's a few clips of each of the movies, and it's like, this is like a fan in twenty. I feel like I forget how it was phrased, but it was like in twenty twenty two, like the world needs heroes or something like that. And like, you're really not like we we are actually. I mean, we we all we, we've been in superhero fatigue, so maybe change marketing. Um, and it's just like. Honestly, that it makes it less exciting when you're like, "Oh my god, there's four of these movies coming out." <laughs> Where because specifically because uh, they have been missing the mark, and I'm more excited for the Marvel movies, and well, the Batman being the one outlier from that group of movies that's coming out, like which isn't even part of the DCEU. <laughs> that's what's interesting, right? I feel like what they're trying to do is pull up the Aquaman Flashpoint and the Aquaman. Uh, sorry, no, I said that twice. Black Adam, the Aquaman movie, and the Flashpoint movie, pulling them up. By including the Batman in that grouping, but the Batman is the not coattails? part of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's not. They're they're riding the cowl and cape. That's <laughs> not part of it. Uh, it's its own thing. Uh, I think that Black Adam has some potential. I feel like it's going to be entertaining in the way that Shazam was entertaining. There was some sort of teaser for that, right? I that, it has that. a trailer. 
Okay. Or a teaser trailer. It I think it's a teaser one. trailer. I Yeah, I just didn't get around to seeing it. This I, was an even smaller cut because it was mixed up with the rest of this. Yeah, no, I was just saying, like, there was a Black Adam one that came out a couple of days ago, and I just I just missed it. And I, I saw that it was out, and I never got to it. And I meant to watch it even tonight when we were talking about stuff, and I yeah. just forgot to. And then there's the Aquaman segment of it, which I was like, all, which completely threw me when I was watching this little mashup trailer. Where was, I was it like, new material, or was it just recut from the movie? I'm pretty sure it's just, like, him sitting on a throne. So that's recut from the movie. Uh, right, okay. But I, I was like, I saw it and I was like, wait. And it, it took me a real, I, oh, and then I stopped paying attention to the rest of the teaser. And I was like, was there already a second one? And I couldn't, I just, for the life of me, I couldn't remember if there were two Aquaman. No, they're in the process of slowly making it, I think. Right. That's the, that's the second one that they were, they have a title for and they were advertising as coming out this year. What's it called? I don't remember. I'll look it up real quick. Uh, Aquaman? And the Lost Kingdom. That sounds right. Um, that's interesting. First build to Mora Morrison. Tamura? Tamura? Tamora? Oh, yeah. I had. That's right. They did talk about that. I forgot he's going to be in it. Why is Jason Momoa the fourth person on the cast list? I, I don't know. That's confusing. Anyway, uh, that is whatever. It's whatever. The Flashpoint one, again, it's whatever. The problem is the Flashpoint movie can't be good because it's still stuck in that Snyder universe. It's done. It's just not. It it might be entertaining because of the crossover stuff they're going to do, but guess what? The MCU beat you too. Well, also, like, it's been stuck in development hell, and that was pre-pandemic. I know. It's like, there's no way this movie comes out and is good. The only movie that's been longer in development than that is the Gambit movie. Avatar? No, literally the the Gambit. No, I'm wondering: is the are the Avatar sequels in longer development than the Gambit movie? No, because they had always said it was going to take them a while to make it. Like that was okay. That, that's fair. They weren't that like wasn't saying a, it's coming out this year. Yes, that was a feature, not a bug. Yeah. Like there the is Gambit a great... movie was supposed to come out like ten years ago. If you're not, uh, I, I know you are because I've shared them with you. But for the audience, if you're not familiar with Pete Holmes' X Men series oh. on the on, I was oh, a bigger fan of the. I was a bigger fan of the Batman ones, but I've seen well, a sure, but the there's a and it's X Men EX Men, mm-hmm. and it's it's Charles Xavier firing different X Men because they're useless, and the Gambit one is pretty funny, and it's just like well, I remember like, seeing what that one, what yeah. would you do? Well, I would I turn potential energy into kinetic energy. It's like okay. But let's say, you know, one of our hey, nicknames of villain is here, uh, and you're holding, I don't know, say a gyro. <laughs> it's like, what would you do? I would you would throw the gyro at him. <laughs> I would I would I would throw it at him. Okay. <laughs> you're fired. <laughs> My favorite the best one of those, if you are gonna look them up, is the Wolverine one. I know I saw that one, but that one is just it. tremendous where uh, he's like, you, uh, well, you're useless to us. Our main enemy yeah, is a Magneto, Magneto who can manipulate metal with his mind. <laughs> like, of which you are made of. <laughs> so good. Um, anyway, those movies are coming. Uh, and all of all of them, the Batman looks, I'm very excited. I think the Batman's going to be very good. I'm so I'm looking forward I'm- to it. I'm kind of cautiously optimistic and excited about that movie. That's what next month sometime, right? Yeah. Um, so you told me there was a new trailer. Yes. I couldn't find it. Okay. Then you told me that it was the trailer was titled basically Sins of the Father. Yeah, which is like an 
That that trailer already came out, but this is a recut of that trailer. I think. Well, hang on a second, because yeah. I looked that up, and I found a trailer that said something about Warner, but it was a fan trailer. Oh. And I was a little frustrated by that. Then I found, from like Warner Indonesia, a trailer. This might be the one. Uh, yeah, and I think that's the trailer you're looking for, although it's subtitled in... I'm going to say Indonesian, even though that... Yeah, I, I may have buried the lead on that one. I probably should have told you that it was not in our native tongue. <laughs> well, the trailer was, but it was subtitled in a language that's not ours. Yeah, that's right. But that it was being, there was some new footage in it. Though. There was new footage in that trailer. Yeah, it looks good. It might have been... Yeah. Which is surprising, like, not to not release that trailer. That... That may have been the best one yet. <laughs> also, some of that trailer was in this fan trailer, which made me even more angry. Amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, it seemed cool. Uh, yeah, but like, I'm ready to. I'm I'm just ready to see the movie. Like, enough with the trailers. You've been doing the trailers for like, yeah. honestly a couple of years at this point. Um, and again, pandemic. Get it? Sure. I get it. Um, totally just stop giving me new trailers at yeah. this point like just because yeah, th- there's a certain point where you're going to get to the point where i've seen the movie before the, tra- the movie oh right i mean and arguably they've already made a mistake which is like there's like the whole sequence of penguin like blowing something up and being really excited and thinking that he killed the batman and then batman flying out of the fire and his batman will be like don't you don't you don't need to show the scene of him flying out of the fire in the trailer like the scene of something exploding and the penguin going nuts is is a nice character tease of who that is. Yes. And you don't need the context. Yeah, we don't alone. need to know that he survives that explosion. We don't even need to know that he was in it. That's true, too. <laughs> it's teaser. It's tr- I mean, like, there's no reason for it. These are just samples. It's supposed to be just samples of what's going on. Like, that's not like... It, it, a, te- a trailer slash or a teaser, they should be one of two things. They should either be giving you the tone of the movie, or they should be giving you a general understanding... Of the, of the story, yeah. And that's it. Those are the only two things. Um, Maybe Fast, an explosion. Fast and Furious movies have taken this to a whole thing where, like, which is insane to me, is, like, they show all of the crazy action things that are going to happen in the trailer, which yes. are what you actually see those movies for. Yeah, you're not showing up for the story. And also, by the way, you get most of the story of the trailer, too. Right. So it's like, that's just, that's a waste. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. Then this this is just, Bob, it's just bad. It's just bad trailer making. I mean, Yeah. Well, the the problem is like I view the Fast and the Furious trailers as a wildly different issue than the, the this this Batman trailer. The Fast and the Furious trailers, you've just shown me everything. The Batman trailers, it's been it's been teased for so long that you are afraid we're going to forget about you. Mm-hmm. First of all, you're Batman. We're never going to forget about you. I understand it for other movies. I do. Yeah. For Batman, just say Batman. Okay. Anyone who's interested in Batman is. It's going to be there. Just tell us when. Give us a little taste. You've given us so many different trailers at this point that I'm getting Batman trailer fatigue. Yeah. No, I I, I hear you. It's it, I'm right. Like, yeah, I didn't really need anything else. No, we, we got the trailers. We got the teaser. We got the re-teaser. We got the trailers. It's done. Let's uh let's talk about another trailer mistake. Okay. Um, Jurassic Park. Joe, sorry. Jurassic World. Yes. Dominion. That's my fault. I, t- I said park when I texted you earlier. Jurassic World Dominion. I'm excited for it because of what they're doing. Bring yes, bringing all together. They're saying uh, the trailer. I don't know if you if you if you took note of this. Very uh, cleverly called it the end of the Jurassic era. Um, which so are we going to get Cretaceous Park? Well, 
well, I, the way that I'm I'm assuming it's going down is like I think maybe we like I, you know basically it's a kind of apocalyptic, and the next thing is like a post Jurassic era. Yeah, don't yell at me, anyone who's a fan of dinosaurs, because I forget if the Cretaceous is before or after the Jurassic. I just wanted to make the joke. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> but uh, the but um but like I feel like the way that that's phrased is so clearly so that oh, we're gonna make more movies like as soon as we need some cash flow in this department. Really? Because I actually did view the way that they did the trailer as like this is the end. Of course, for now. Story for now. Yeah, it, it might be for for now. Yeah. For now. Uh, and let's talk about again for trailers. You wanna you wanna well, blow I, my socks off? I will say this. Hang on a second. Yeah. To be fair to them, it's the end of this trilogy, which they've the been trilogy. very yes. concrete about. Yes. And this story has, at this point, very much felt like it was planned as a trilogy. Yeah. I'm not not to say that where they are now is what they planned when the first Jurassic World came out exactly, but like mm-hmm. this does it has unfolded in the form of of a of a three story yeah. arc, right? So. Fair enough. And I'm very excited to see it. I am very, I am even because what I enjoy, I've enjoyed the Jurassic World movies. Yeah. Um, I'm way more excited to see it because of the fact that they're tying it back into the original trilogy, which I think is yeah. pretty cool. But that being said, you want to knock my socks off. Keep that shit under wraps. Well, we knew they were coming back though. That was I, confirmed. Was it? I don't, I don't yes. remember. Well, like, this is another one that like, because of pandemic and such, like it's been so long, like the gestation of, the but, but even so like, again, they, they made that choice. Even if it was known, they made that choice to, to, to show that like what maybe, maybe you, maybe you include one of the characters in the promotional material or your leaks of what's going on. And you bring the rest of them in, in the actual movie, like as a surprise, because I, that stuff is really fun. And then if you're going to do it, if you are going to do it and bring all the characters back, don't show the reunion scene in the teaser. I, I no, because I, I think you're just misremembering. Like we already had like a very brief, like Goldblum sandwich mm-hmm. in the, in the last movie where he mm-hmm. like narrates a little bit of the beginning and the end. We know he was in that movie for two seconds. Yeah. So he was going to probably come back. We already knew for a fact that Sam Neill, Jeff Goldblum and Laura Durham were coming back for this movie. So why not give that? Well, okay, but like you're saying, you, we already we already knew that. That's great. I didn't know that because I wasn't. I don't remember. But like, I think that it would have been a better play to keep that keep it partially under wraps. I guess I. It's just one of those things where if, if it was just rumored and not confirmed, I mm-hmm. would get on board with what you're saying. But because we knew, why mm-hmm. not give us that that trip of? Because the way they arrayed them, like the the way they aligned them, was like reflective of. I forget which scene, but a scene in the first one with oh, the, yeah. the way that the three of them are standing yeah, together. Sure. So it's like, why not do that in a trailer? I get it. Like, go ahead. Well, you no, if, if, if that's the case and you, and we do know, sure, that's fine. But I, I'm still hold, standing by, I think it would have been awesome to be watching this movie and for the reveal that they're all in it to be during the movie versus, um, yeah, but, beforehand. Uh, reg- but I'm looking forward to it. I think it's regardless. Be I, I, th- I thought there were some cool shots, in this one, I, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. It, it definitely gave me some like King Kong Godzilla vibes with like the devastation of what's going to be happening. Yeah, um, and also like continuing, I think, to lean into some of the horror aspects that like they like expanded on in the second one in a way right. that like they had kind of gotten away from post like the original Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. which isn't even really like a quote unquote horror movie. It's no. more of a thriller Thriller. adventure but like i really dug some of those horror aspects of the second jurassic world yeah they were good bayona was a horror director right 
This one's back to being directed by Colin Trevorrow. I thought he did a solid job with Jurassic World. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Bayona's involved in this one or not. He, coincidentally, is involved pretty heavily in the Rings of Power show, which is mm. cool. But um, I'm going to double click here. or Sorry, double, double check here to see if he's involved in this at all. Um, oh, I don't know. It doesn't look, unless he's a producer, it doesn't look like he's... No, he's not involved in this one anymore. That's kind of a shame. I, I kind of like some of what he did in the last movie. Yeah. Oh, well. But uh, I'm looking forward to that. When is that? Do we know when that comes out? I'm sure they gave a date. I, just I have it up on IMDb, so just give me a second. It's due June 10th. Cool. Yeah, the, it seems like we have a good summer of movies coming our way. It's about time, considering we've had some pretty light summers of movies for the last couple of years. Oh, yeah. Not that we could really go. Um, Speaking of which... We- I forgot that What's It Called came out like last week. Um, Death on the Nile. I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd like to go see that. I'd, I'm still not sure when I'm going to get to. Same. I, I want to see of, it as well. I think I'm going to be out of town this weekend. Maybe on Monday since I have Monday off. Maybe I'll go see it Monday. Nice. Sounds good. I'll have to get that one at, at some point. Um, I have to choose my, my movie theater goings judiciously. Sure, but there's just not really been much out lately. So I thought that might be one that would intrigue you when it, whenever you could get to it. Certainly yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Considering we both enjoyed Murder on, Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah. Entertaining flicks for show. Um, let me just see my notes real quick if that was all for trailers. That's all you mentioned to me, so. Oh, I guess one that's not a trailer, but kind of related to stuff coming out. Halo 2 is, Halo was already picked up for a second season, so that's kind of exciting. Yeah, I... I I saw that that was quote unquote news recently, but they had already like announced that softly like a while ago. Did they? It had come out around the news that the showrunner for the first season was going to leave well before the first season came out. Hmm. Who was like the fifth showrunner of the show? Yeah, that does, that that aspect doesn't build well, but the the approval of a second season does so. Yes. We'll see what ha- see how it goes. I am. Do, I forget. Uh, that's isn't that soon. I forget. Like we did this last week, where it was like that's like next month. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the end of March. Cool. Looking forward to that. Batman, Halo. Oh man, all my favorite things are coming together. <laughs> this is great. So I only have one other new. I don't know if you have any. Uh, I, I feel like I did, and I didn't write it down. So no. Okay. So my final one was rest in peace, Ivan Reitman. Mm. Mm. Great director. Some really solid comedies and big, such. Big list of work. Yes. Uh, uh, lots of lots of production credits. 74 producer credits. Yes. And then like 20-something direct credits? Uh, yeah, something like that. Um, it's what, I always think it's funny when you think of someone who's like a big... Like Judd Apatow. I always think of him as a director. Mm-hmm. And he's directed a couple of great movies. But like it's more that he's been associated with slash produced a lot of great movies. Right. Than his actual specific directing. And I feel like Reitman's kind of similar where he's like directed a couple of really big hits, but then he's like been responsible for the assembly of and like creation of a bunch of great movies. Well, let's let's burn through some of these director credits real quick. So starting at the bottom, we've got Orientation, which was a short, but then we got Foxy Ladies, Cannibal Girls, Meatballs, Stripes, Ghostbusters, Ray Parker Jr. Ghostbusters, a music video. He directed the music video. Uh, Legal Eagles, Twins, Ghostbusters 2, Kindergarten Cop, Dave, Junior, <coughs> Father's Day, Six Days, Seven Nights, Evolution. It's all over the map. Uh, a couple of TV Wait, TV I forgot movie. he directed Evolution. Yeah. 
Uh, my super ex-girlfriend, no strings attached, draft day. And this may be the thing that is the kicker. It's really painful to hear that he's passed. Is that triplets was in pre-production. Uh, and I imagine oh, yeah. that without somebody <laughs> to helm that film, it's probably just going to fall apart and go away. <laughs> no, I, I would expect his son's going to do it. You think so? Well, he did the most recent Ghostbuster. So okay, maybe. I mean, unless he's just like, Dad, why were you doing this? <laughs> well, Triplets has been in production, like pre-production for like 30 years. So. Yeah, that's fair. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But if we go, if once scrolling into the uh, the production credits, um, aside from like all of the movies that were previously mentioned, uh, Animal House. Uh, yes. Big one there. Uh, Heavy Metal, The Magic Show, Space Hunter, Legal Eagles, Big Shots, Casual Sex. Uh, I say it like that because it's a question mark at the end. Feds, uh, Beethoven's second. Yeah, I, he was involved with the Beethoven, Beethoven. Beethoven movies. Yeah, Beethoven the TV series, The Leech of Space Jam, Private Parts. Yeah, Father's I saw. The, again. I I saw the thing about uh, Space Jam, and I was like, oh, that's why Bill Murray was in that. <laughs> what is Mummies Alive? This feels like something I'd want. To... I don't know. Um, Mummies Alive: The Legend Begins. I guess there was a uh, a prelude that came out after the fact. Uh, road Trip. It's great. Did you ever see Road Trip? Yes. Once. Uh, old School. Euro Trip. Euro Trip, maybe low-key, one of my favorite comedies of all time. Uh, Trailer Park Boys, the movies. That guy, Disturbia, a uh, movie that I have not thought about in years. Oh, that's weird, because I caught part of that like three weeks ago. Huh. I've seen that movie a bunch of times. Hotel for Dogs. I Love You, Man. One of our favorite. It's fan mm-hmm. favorite here. Uh, up in the air, Chloe, Trailer Park Boys, Countdown to Liquor Day, No Strings Attached, Hitchcock, Drafted, Ghostbusters, Baywatch, Father Figures, Babysitter's Guide to Monster Hunting, Godmothered, Space Jam, A New Legacy, Ghostbusters Afterlife, pretty great. That that's on there, and then a bunch of stuff that is in pre-production slash announced. But like, like what a list of like just so much stuff to be doing. In no, the he industry. had a tremendous career. Yeah, um, that's uh, how. Age seventy five. Do we know what he passed of? I I don't know that it said. Hang on a second, let me scroll up here. Uh, sorry, the cause of death was not released as of a couple days ago when he officially passed. Um, I had uh, something else here though that I found interesting. I, I'm trying to scroll through this article. This is the uh, Variety article, as I <laughs> mentioned earlier, that I had uh, Variety and, and Vanity Fair stuff. Um, Sorry, moving into film professionally, he produced and directed a horror spoof, Cannibal Girls, which starred Eugene Levy and Steve Martin. Below-budget 1973 picture was acquired by B-picture legend uh, Samuel Arkoff for distribution. He also produced two of director David Cronenberg's early horror films, Shivers and Rabid. In 1978, he signed on as a producer of a feature about a misfit fraternity at an uptight 1960s college co-written by former SCTV head writer Harold Ramis and National Lampoon writer-editors Doug Kenny and Chris Miller. Directed by John Landis, the, law, the raunchy off-the-wall comedy Animal House ultimately reeled in more than $140 million in the U.S. and lofted Belushi to movie stardom. Bill Murray, whose loose-limbed and anti-authoritarian style was as distinctive as that of his in-your-face former SNL castmate Belushi, cracked the box office coffers open with Reitman's Meatballs, gross $43 million, and Stripes, $85 million. In 1983, Reitman began dusting off a treatment for a paranormal comedy that Dan Aykroyd had written for John Belushi, who had died the year before. Hmm. Reitman recalled 
to Rolling Stone in 2016. It was a very huge and frankly impossible movie to actually do, particularly in 1980. It had this really brilliant idea at its core, which is here are a bunch of people looking very much like firemen doing this important job and that ghost existed. <laughs> it was possible to catch them. A highly arisen, uh, original and surprising comedy thrill, Ghostbusters went on to become as, as ubiquitous as the film's scared ghost logo, spinning off a long-running ABC animated series. Ray Parker Jr.'s chart-topping theme song <laughs> and yep. countless ancillary products, Ghostbusters 2 raked in a comparatively meager $112 million. But what I found interesting in reading that bit was that John Belushi was supposed to star in that movie, yeah. and Bill Murray replaced him when he died. That's Yeah, that is very interesting. That's, uh, it's, so, it's so interesting to hear stories like that of like the plans and then how it inevitably, unfold, inevitably unfolds and then like, just the what could have been. Right. Well, everyone knows about the story that Ernie Hudson was only in there because they had wrote in Eddie Murphy to be one of the co-stars and they had to pare down that storyline because they couldn't get Eddie Murphy. And they, they grabbed Ernie Hudson to do it at the last minute, basically. That's crazy. I had no idea, though, about this story about Belushi supposed to be the the star of this movie and not Bill Murray and that Murray only filled in because Belushi died. That yeah. That is news to me. That is pretty crazy. I... um. I don't know. I feel like we've talked about. Do we? We do, we did Ghostbusters, right? <laughs> Play this game now. I, I'm less certain of this one, but I don't think so. Oh well. Either way, like I, I we, like. We may have. I like Ghostbusters. Fine, like the the property, but I've never really been a big fan of the first movie. I I liked. I know it's not like it's a it's a bad. You know, it, apparently, it's the wrong opinion to have. I always liked the second one better. That's the, the wrong opinion to have. <laughs> I enjoy Well, I, yeah, I, I enjoy the second one more. I, and I think overall, I don't think either one of them is great. I know that like people love those two movies, but like, I don't know. I'm actually really interested to seeing Afterlife. Yeah, I, I've heard interesting stuff. I, I'm going to kind of try and avoid any more on it until I get to see, see it. it. Yeah. Because um, it actually only finally released in theaters like fairly recently, right? Um, I think it might be like out. Uh, oh yeah, actually, you're, maybe it was a few months ago, and it's it's finally coming around to like streaming and all yeah. that. But um, I really like the first one, but it's one of those weird movies that's like ostensibly a comedy, but that was like an eighties comedy that is way too long mm. to be like a comedy. Before they realized, oh, comedy should be like ninety five minutes. I think it well that's yeah that's that's kind of funny. I also think that I just don't think that it's very funny. It has funny moments and I feel like it's kind of marketed as being more of a comedy than it actually is. Well it's the same thing with Stripes and that's what I'm saying it's like that era of movies where it's like there's a lot of funny things in Stripes but like it doesn't have the cadence of a comedy movie. Yeah, maybe that's the and problem it's with it. Too long. Mm. Um not to say there aren't like the quick hit like comedy movies from that time, like Ferris Bueller, for instance, works in that realm, but, or animal house, which was yeah. slightly before that. But, um, but that's the thing though. It's like, ultimately I, I don't find the whole movie to be engaging enough that like, I'm not like Ghostbusters is not one of the movies that I want to just put on because I want to watch it. Like I enjoy watching it over and over again. But like that being said, a couple of one liners here and there that really do crack me up every time. That's true, sir. This man has no dick. is is one of them (laughs) i i like the first ghostbusters movie i have watched it a bunch of times i've only actually sat down and watched it all the way start to finish a couple of times Mm. but i've seen it so many times on television um 
I enjoy that movie. I haven't seen Ghostbusters 2 in like 20-ish years. I've seen it like two or three times in like between the ages of like 9 and 12 or something like that. And I haven't seen it since. There's a great line in that movie that gets me that I've used regularly um, where the guy that becomes like the villain possessed kind of like the Igor style guy of the movie. Uh, he's like head of this, like he, you know, he's like running this like art restoration program in the museum and mm-hmm. somebody's working on something and he walks by them and goes, everything you are doing is wrong. I want you to know this. <laughs> that's, just a, I, uh, that's just my quote. I love that quote. <laughs> I remember watching it and I just feel uncomfortable the whole time I'm watching huh. it. Like there's just a lot of things that made me feel uncomfortable watching that movie. Sure. But my actual recollections of it are very vague. Any other news and nuggets? No, that's all I have for news. So it's time for what we're consuming. Correct. Al, what are you consuming? Um, Actually, a bunch of things in the past oh. week. So let's start with possibly the greatest comedy pilot I've ever seen. Oh. Now, this is a show that I've mentioned pre-hiatus once or twice. Not a show I had seen before, though I had seen a couple of clips for it. And I just happened, I don't remember what set me off for it last week that I was like, oh, let me see if there's a way for me to go watch it. I found out that it's on Paramount Plus in its entirety. And that's the show Review. Okay. Now, if you recall, several months ago, we discussed that I had been reading, actually, it may have been almost a year, around a year ago now, I think about it. Because um, I think it was, um, I want to say it was some version of like Alan Sepinwall was writing for Rolling Stone, like the best single episodes of television from like the teens, like the 20 teens. Right. And it was an episode of review. And I had only vaguely been aware of the show's existence at that time. And I watched the full scene that he referenced as to why that episode was one of the best episodes of television from that decade. Okay. And it was one in which a person wrote into, so the, the the concept of the show to refresh for anyone who wasn't aware is, Actually, I don't even remember the name of the star of the show. It doesn't matter. Um, The guy in the show review has a review show that he does on television. Andy Daly. Andy Daly, that's his name. Andy Daly has... His character has a show that he does uh, on his show. And it's just called Review. And people write in with things for him to review. It could be (laughs) anything (laughs) in the world to review. Okay. And in the episode that Seppenwall references, it's... What would it be like to eat 30 pancakes? I think is what it was. (laughs) And it's so darkly comedic that scene. And I was like, man, I got to watch that show eventually. And I couldn't access it. And I found out that the whole show is on Paramount plus it's like 27 episodes in its entirety. Um, it was like two and a half seasons, basically of the show. I've watched the first two episodes. The first episode is forget about just pilots. It's one of the funniest episodes of television I've ever seen in my life. Oh, wow. It's uh, not even I'm the episode, Chris. not even the episode that Seppenwald was talking about either, which I think is like the third episode of the show. Wow. Um, it's definitely the greatest pilot comedy episode I've ever seen. Okay. And it's for sure one of the funniest episodes of anything I've ever seen. I'm going to give you a quick rundown of yeah, it. Yeah. The first episode. So each episode, he reviews three things. It seems like, cause I've watched, like I said, the first two and he reviewed three things in each of them. The first one, he reviews stealing. <laughs> drug addiction oh boy 
and going to your senior prom. (laughs) (laughs) So the first episode, the first thing starts with someone sends in a video message and he, he basically says, I've been thinking about stealing my mom's television and I wanted to know if I go through with this and I steal it, how am I going to feel? Am I going to be consumed by guilt or am I going to be dead and hollow inside? If you can help me with this, I'd really appreciate it. He goes, oh, okay, so stealing. That's what we're going to review, stealing. So it starts with him going to a supermarket and shoplifting like, it was like almonds or like pistachios or something like that. It was like a tiny little stack. And he's sitting there and he's like, oh, okay, so here we go. And he takes out a little paper bag and he sticks it in the paper bag and he starts walking from the, the back aisle of the store where he is towards the front. And you can literally see in the course of him walking from the back of the store to the front, you can see the discomfort in his gait developing with each additional step. And he's this like super like awkward, like very like formal guy. Right. But like energetic too. And it's like, he's walking and he, he walks past like just some random woman working at the supermarket. And he goes, I didn't find anything I'd like to purchase. And so I'm just going to leave. I think <laughs> she's like, I, I don't care. Okay. Yeah. And, and he walks and he gets to the front door and he like stops and he starts like, he's pacing and he's like, uh, ah! and he like yells and walks out the front door <laughs> with this thing in his pocket. And he gets outside and he goes, okay, that, that really wasn't, I, I don't know. I, I don't really feel anything. He goes, I feel like this is too impersonal. He like pops one of them like in his mouth. And he's like, this is like my favorite snack or whatever. And it's like, <laughs> I think I need to make this more personal. And he turns around and there's a little old lady trying to get groceries into her car. Oh my God. <laughs> he goes, this'll do. <laughs> and he walks up to the woman. <laughs> he goes, excuse me, ma'am. Can I help you? She goes, oh, thank you so much. And he grabs the groceries so she can open the trunk. And he just walks off with them. <laughs> It just it just starts cascading where he just starts stealing more and more elaborate things. Like he steals like a table from a street cafe and then he he's walking down the street and plucks a hat off of this guy's head, <laughs> puts it on his own head, and the guy turns around and goes, Did you just steal my hat? And he turns around and he goes, No. No, I did not, sir. <laughs> but I'm sorry if someone had stolen your hat, and so I'd like you to have mine. And he takes <laughs> So he puts his arms out to hug him and the guy's like confused and then he hugs him and he reaches and grabs his wallet in his back pocket <laughs> oh <laughs> and, my goodness and, and, and that sequence culminates with him and his assistant and his secretary planning a bank robbery okay I'm not going to tell you how that all goes down because right. I want you to I want you to go and enjoy it since you uh, I know you yeah. have Paramount Plus I, uh, I want to watch this this sounds fun and, and then that leads right into drug addiction which I had actually seen a clip from this before and I didn't realize that's what it was from. And, you know, he's like, okay, I'm going to try drug addiction. And he buys a bunch of cocaine and he's just sitting at his desk in his office with his assistant filming him as he's like cut up a bunch of lines of cocaine, snorts it. And he goes, Oh God, that was terrible. (laughs) And and this is like, really? He goes, yeah. And he just throws the rest of the cocaine in the garbage. (laughs) And he oh goes, why would you, why would you do that? <laughs> he goes, I hated that. Like, why would I do, why would I not throw it out? And he goes, uh, and like the assistant's really confused. He goes, all right, let's try the next thing. And so he, then he's sitting in, in, on like a couch and he's lighting up a cigarette. <laughs> and he takes one puff and he goes, he just starts like coughing and he immediately puts the cigarette out and he goes, 
no, thank you, sir. Uh, he goes, well, I've now tried two of the most uh, addictive substances in the world. It's not really working for me. So let's go, let's go to the next one. And he's at a bar and he goes, I'm now going to sample some alcoholic wine. And he like <laughs> takes a glass, a glass of wine at the bar and he sips the wine and he goes, okay. I mean, I like that, but I'm certainly not addicted to it. And he goes, in fact, it's just kind of making me sleepy. So I'm going to go take a piss because I've just drank a large amount of wine. And then I'm going to come back and continue to drink some more wine and we'll see where this goes. And he goes to the bathroom and he comes back out and he has white powder all over his nose. Oh my God. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, yeah, I just, you know, I'm not addicted to the cocaine. I'm not addicted to the tobacco. I'm not addicted to the alcohol. He goes, I, I don't know where we go from here. I know where we go from here. I haven't tried cocaine yet. Let me try that. <laughs> he develops a full blown cocaine addiction over the course of the next several minutes of the episode, which is hilarious. That's he ended up getting interventioned and he's like oh yes intervention i've never reviewed one of these either let's do it you yes <laughs> you all have speeches i don't need them let's go to rehab <laughs> and then the final one is prom he invites his the babysitter for his and his wife's kid to her prom because he knows it's her senior prom and she's super socially awkward so he invites her to her prom goes to prom and I'm not going to say how or why or what goes on, but the first two things he reviewed in that episode get looped into the third Fantastic. one. Fantastic. <laughs> I'm assuming he's going to steal cocaine from somebody. But either. I'll, I'll give you this a little bit. He steals something. He steals someone else's wallet to buy more cocaine. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. It's, I was dying laughing through the whole episode. It's fucking hysterical. The second episode was also really good. Uh, the three things they review, and I won't go into the details of these things. I'm just going to name the three things he's reviewing in the second episode. The first one is, what's it like to make a sex tape? The second one is, what's it like to be racist? And the third one is hunting. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll, I'll check that out. That sounds, that sounds entertaining for sure. It's going to be easy for you to watch, too, whether it be you or you and Kim, because it's it's so funny. I, I don't know why she wouldn't enjoy it, too. Yeah. They're all, like, tw- the, the second episode was literally 20 minutes long. Mm-hmm. The first episode was, like, you know, 22 or 23 minutes long. Like, it's one of those ones where, like, you just, like, it's just done. It's like, well, where did the episode go? Like, it's so quick and easy to watch. And, like I said, it's basically two and a half seasons. So, like, I, whether or not you choose to, quote, unquote, binge it or not, I, I, think you and, and or Kim would, would really enjoy the show. I'm really looking forward to just continuing to pepper this through over the next few weeks until I get done with it. It's been so funny so far. That's, that, that's good. I'll, I'll definitely, I'll check it out. I want to say uh, the high school reunion actually ties nicely into one of the things that I'm watching, which is an Apple TV show called uh, The After Party. I'm not familiar with that. Which one. is a murder mystery that uh, where we're trying to figure out how the murder happened at the after party of a high school reunion. Uh, starring some great names, such as Ben okay. Schwartz, Sam Richardson. Uh, uh, this, uh, I actually, what is James Franco's brother's name? Dave? Yes. Dave Franco. Uh, and a handful of folks that I recognize them, but I don't know their names. Okay. And uh, the, so basically, it's, they don't really bury the lead much. Uh, James Franco plays a douche. Not James Franco. Dave Franco plays a douche. Uh, he uh, his he's going by the name Xavier. He's a pop star. Uh, his actual name is Eugene. His middle name is Xavier. 
uh, <laughs> which comes up over and over again, which is great. Uh, he is killed during the after party at his house after okay. the high school reunion. And the entire show is everybody who's at the after party locked in. And Tiffany Haddish, who is the police officer who is absolutely not in charge, <laughs> but is running the investigation because she's okay. trying to prove something. <laughs> so basically the chief told her, do not <laughs> like take statements. And that's it. <laughs> but she is full-blown trying to solve the murder. <laughs> oh, God. And uh, she's not supposed to be. And then on, at the same time, they're all, everybody in the room, including her, are, are convinced it's Sam Richardson. Sam Richards or Sam Richardson? Richardson. Sam Richardson. Uh, we're fairly confident as the viewer that it's not him. He's confident that it's not him. And he's also <laughs> trying to solve the murder. <laughs> because he's like, I need to exonerate myself because I'm going to go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's this whole ridiculous thing. And so each episode is taking place from the perspective of one of the party members mm-hmm. of what happened that night. Okay. And it's been very funny so far, especially the episode that is from the perspective of Ben Schwartz, who is just, he goes full blown Jean Ralphio at times. Oh, of course. Um, and just like his whole episode is like a musical and it's really? great. It's just so, it's so silly. Now, can he actually sing, or is it just like the singing that he did in Parks and Rec, which is bad? That's the thing. Even in Parks and Rec, like, he hits different scales and registers. Like, he actually has, he's got some skills in that department, and it's it's used pretty well here. Okay. Um, And it's just, I don't know, it's very, it it starts off a little bumpy where the first episode, Kim and I were like, "Eh." oh, Ike Barinholtz is another name in there. Okay. We were like, eh, we're not really sure. By the second episode, I was in. And now I'm just looking forward to each one. I was actually uh, very disappointed when last night we, we watched like two episodes in a row and then realized that I didn't I forgot that they were being released weekly and that mm-hmm. we had just actually caught up to it. And we we're like, that was it? Oh. And it's like, not that it's that. It's not it. It's just, okay. it's not out yet. And we we're like, oh, okay, that's fine. That's fine. But uh, it's, it's, it's. It, that does sound interesting. It's funny because what it reminded me of was yesterday. No. I forget if it's last night or the night before. It doesn't really matter. I watched three episodes of Murderville. Ah, fantastic. So all I have left is the finale. And you were talking about the murder of someone at a high school reunion. And I was like, oh, that's right. They just did that in Murderville. Yeah. <laughs> just watching that a day or two ago. That might so. have been the easiest one. Um. Yes. Because of the handwriting. Yes. All right. And like, and the very blatant point out of the handwriting on the wall. <laughs> it's like, all right, well, <laughs> the literal handwriting on the wall. But so far, like, was Sharon Stone that was the, the second to last one? Yes, that was. I gotta be honest, because that was the third of them that I was watching. I kind of was on the fringe of dozing off during oh, some okay. of that. Um, I I liked the episode still, but like, I did definitely didn't like fully retain all of the information gotcha. the way that I did in the two prior and. The, the first two as well. I was just curious if you were going to feel how I did that. Like she was like clear, like she was bringing it the most out of everybody. That is. Oh no, that was, episode. that was very obvious. Yeah. And it <laughs> makes sense because like all of the other actors they chose were comedic actors with the exception right. of her. Um, and then there's the outlier obviously of like Marshawn Lynch. Who sure. It's funny in his own right, but just kind of because he beats the like moves to the beat of his own drum. Like. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was pretty great. Uh, but uh, I think the highlight of the entire series is that noise that Kumail makes. 
when he gasps? No, when he's, when he's walking down the hallway. Oh, when he's doing the terrible walk. You have a signature walk. noise. You have a signature noise that you have to the make. The signature <laughs> It was really bad. He reminded me of when he's walking down the hall, making those noises and doing the terrible walk that he tells him to do. Mm-hmm. He reminded me of the scene in Shaun of the Dead when they're trying to blend in as a zombie. Yes. And they're walking down the street. That's exactly what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's 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 funny. It's a good. It's an entertaining show. I feel like it could be more than it is, but it's it's. Just yeah, fun. I've been. You were right last week. I, I've been slightly disappointed just because I had high expectations. Yeah, it's been good. It's been funny, but not to the extent I thought it right. would be. I definitely set the bar too high for myself going in. Yeah, um, I think I did as well, which is unfortunate. Yeah, are you consuming more things? Oh, definitely. Right. Um, I'll save mine so for I, the end. So you only have one more? I have one more. Okay. So I have a few other things here. Most of them are going to be pretty quick. Um, let's. I'll do a quick one and then a more extensive one. Um, so this past weekend, I was, again, unexpectedly presented with an evening entirely by myself on the weekend. Um, my sister went out of town to see her boyfriend for Valentine's Day, which I was aware that she was doing. My parents, however, informed me about 20 minutes before they were going out that they were going to be going out for the entire evening go down to the city to see billy joel oh i was like oh because it was kind of framed of are you doing anything tonight i was like oh no i don't think so i was like do you mind watching the dogs all night i was like i sure i i guess because i don't have any other plans and they're like yeah we're going down to the city to see billy joel i was like that's tonight because i was aware they were going to go see him yeah just had no idea what it was going to be and they're like we told you, I was like, no, it's fine. But like, it's 4.30 p.m. And I now have an entire Saturday night to chart for myself. Nice. So I watched two things. One of them, The Power of the Dog, which I Excellent. think tentatively is planned for next week. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet, but we will watch it. Like I said, tentatively planned yeah. for next week. Um, So I watched that. And then it was like 7 o'clock. And I was like, okay. Well, we watched Fellowship of the Ring last week. Let's watch yeah. the Two Towers tonight. And so I watched the entirety of the extended Two Towers, which is great as always. Sure. And um, so those are my quick little notes on what I've been consuming. Nice. And um, I'm going to go into a slightly longer one. This is going to be a little in- unconventional for some of what we've been consuming since we've been doing this. It involves more of a little bit of a storytelling thing. Mm. I'm going to, I'm going to, it's a musical one. Ooh. We haven't really done music on what we're consuming. Sure. Have you ever heard of the band Them Crooked Vultures? I have. Oh, interesting. Okay. So you're familiar with them? Yeah. Don't say anything more? Nope. Okay. (laughs) So this is funny, because I'd never heard of them before this past weekend. Okay. So um, me and my brother's friend, Brian, it's it's more his friend. I'm friends with him as well, but it's his friend from high school. Um, we were, I was hanging out with him and his wife and a couple other people at, at, at his house. And, um, we had a little fire outside cause it was nice late last week. It was like 50 degrees instead of 20 degrees. We had a little fire outside back at his house and, uh, he puts some music on and he goes, Oh, have you heard of this band before? As he puts on a song and he's playing, I was like, I don't recognize the song. He goes, okay. I, I wasn't sure if you would, because it's kind of obscure. He goes, the band's called them Crooked Vultures. And it's like, that name doesn't sound familiar to me. He goes, all right. He goes, well, this, they only have like one album. He goes, I'm not entirely sure what year it came out, but like, 
it's like 10 songs on an album. This is like one of the songs on it. And I'm listening to it. I was like, all right. It's like, it's got a, got an interesting sound, whatever. Like, cool. So we're listening a little bit more. And I was like, this sounds kind of familiar. He goes, really? I said, yeah, no. I was like, I don't know the song, but like the sound is familiar. I said, it kind of reminds me. And I am not an expert in this sort of stuff. I don't have like, that's like, I can't recognize like a note or a key. Sure. I can get like vibes of like music, like just like sound like, Oh, this band is kind of contemporary with that band. Or like this sound is similar to that sound. It's like, it's like this weird cross of like Queens of the stone age and like <laughs> Led Zeppelin. I want to say. And he's like, he's like, Oh yeah, I can kind of see that. And I was like, it's mostly the guy's voice. He sounds like the guy from Queens of the stone age. I was like, like a lot. So I looked up the band Sure and it's a super group <laughs> whose front man is the singer from Queens of the Stone Age <laughs> and whose bassist is John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin. <laughs> and I looked this up and I was like, I was floored because that that's just not really a talent of mine in that way. And I was like, that's weirdly uncanny that I was able to nail. And like Dave Grohl is the drummer, which I, that I wouldn't have been able to guess that sure. it was like, oh, and it's like, it sounds like, like, vocalization of Queens of the Stone Age with like the baseline of Led Zeppelin and the drumming style of Nirvana that I would not have been able to nail that trifecta. <laughs> like I just, I was floored. I mean, this is going to sound like I'm like, like beating my own chest here, but I'm truly shocked myself with the fact that I was able to nail that like that. Cause it's that's just not, great. that's not in my tool set. Man, I love it. That's that's really awesome. But the funny, like the funniest part was like he was like introducing his band to me, and he didn't know that these people were in this that's band. He great. didn't know any of the members of the band. Didn't make that association, and like had no. And I looked. I was dude. You're not going to believe this. I showed him my phone. He's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> that is so good. What a treat. <laughs> right. It's, just, it's really weird, right? I love it. It sounds like it could be. <laughs> Not, like I've never had anything like that before, and I never will again. Like surely, like again, like, it's just not my like strong suit with that stuff. Yeah. Like I love music, I love rock music. This is within like the genre and all that, but like that's just not something I've like ever accomplished like that. <laughs> that's great. It's funny. Like I have a similar like I. It makes sense that I would I would call these things out. So like I, so many times I've just thrown a movie on and not known anything about the credits of the movie. And I've been like, wow, like this like really feels like that, like this type, like this movie by this person or like more often than not, it's usually the music that like the, if, if it's got a score that I could pick out who it sounds like and is generally right. But it's like, even that stuff is like, I, I'm like, Oh, like, like, I guess I really am paying attention like to know like those things. And it makes sense because of, of the amount of movies that I consume. But yeah, I'm definitely I, better at that. I have a, that talent for yeah. movie stuff, not for music stuff. To I probably would have gotten the. I may have. I don't think I would have been able to pick out the. I, I might not have known like the Led Zeppelin sound. I probably would have picked out the Queens of the Stone Age vibe from it. Um, well, it's just his voice. Like yeah. it's just clearly him. But uh, that's that is really funny <laughs> that you had no concept going. And you know what makes it even better is that the person that introduced you to them didn't know either. I know that that, that, that is, was what made it so funny fantastic. to me too. Is like. He had no idea. I was like, he's like, I was like, this is like a super group. That's why they only have one album. And he's like, I was like, it's, it's fucking Dave Grohl, John Paul Jones. And that's was it Josh home. Like, or whatever. Like yeah. I was, <laughs> it, just, it was like, my goodness. Are you, are you consuming anything else? Yes. What um, you 
let's well we had our t- I, I had two books to mention one of them i already mentioned was a cimmerillion the other book to continue on my project of tackling some classic novels mm. which i mentioned a couple months ago a month ago whatever it was i had read 1984 right i decided to really push my boundaries because i wouldn't really say that one was pushing my boundaries that was one i had always been kind of intrigued by mm-hmm. picked something that I wouldn't really say was within the wheelhouse of things that I would be like, Ooh, maybe I would like that. And like, that was kind of the goal was let's find something outside of my comfort zone. So I listened on audible to pride and prejudice by Jane Austen. Okay. Have you read that one? No. Okay. I actually really liked that book. Yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it. Cause I was like, I was like, there's just no chance. I just, I just want to experience it and see what it's like. Even if I fucking hate it, you know? Yeah. That's cool. Though. And the first couple of chapters, I was like, mm, I was right. I'm not going to like this very much. And then it kind of hooked me. I will say that throughout a lot of the book, there was many times where I was like, I hate everyone in this book <laughs> because these people uh, are all terrible well, because it's all about like lesser nobility in like Victorian England. Sure. You know what I mean? Like it's, it, they're just generally ter- terrible, disconnected people. Like no. they're like landed wealthy people in England who like, don't understand life and like all of like the mm. stresses in their life is like this person didn't dance with me at the ball and sure. that person, you know, affronted me in a, a party and this and that and the other thing. Um, I was like, and I was like, all these people are terrible. All these people are stupid. All these people are like consumed with the things that like just so totally don't matter. It's all society shit. I was like, I don't think I'm going to like this after like the first like four chapters. Sure. I ended up really, it ended up becoming really engaging for like, it, there's like zero, like quote unquote action. There's actually one like pretty thrilling sequence where like people go missing and it's like, we got to go find them. And it was like, Oh, okay. This is now turned into almost a full blown detective novel at this point for a couple of chapters. <laughs> like that's intriguing. Like, sure. and, like by the end, I was like actively rooting for whoever was going to end up with whoever and whatever family was going to come out on top of the other family and which person was going to ex- be exposed for not just being like an affront in the like nobility, but like right. that person's like a absolute dog shit human being who like, where, like, where is this all going to unplay, like play out? And the, the, the title is pride and prejudice and watching the preconceived notions that are established in the first handful of chapters get upended and redefined and recontextualized later on. is like, wow. Okay. I've seen stuff like this in much lower stakes in real life. That has like an actual applicable like context to my life or any other like average person's life, as opposed to like again like landed nobility in Victorian England, like mm-hmm. where it feels like that should be so out of reach, and so many of the things they discuss being so out of reach for the average person in like twenty first century America. To see how that ended up becoming timeless in mm. the sense where it's like I can see how that would apply on a smaller scale or a different scale to the current context of my life or people I know's lives. Sure. I found that to be really fascinating. Having experienced it by the end of the book, I was like genuinely satisfied with the experience of reading it, which I just truly did not expect that, that that's, that's cool. I, that is an, that's a good way. That's a good outlook to have. I will say that like, um, <laughs> sometimes I'll have that based on like a property that is taking like a movie or something that is taking place in an olden time. That where when I come out on the other end, I'm like, great, nothing's changed. We all suck. We've learned nothing. <laughs> and then, and um, more on that later with this movie. <laughs> yeah, I I imagine that has something to do with what you texted me the other day. <laughs> yep. Yep. 
Um, but uh, yeah, no, I just, it was one of those things where like, I, I wanted to challenge myself with this one. Cool. I have a bunch of those old classic novels like downloaded. I'm going to tackle them in different order. Cool. I don't know what the next one's going to be. It's going to be whenever I'm done with the Cimmerillion, I'll probably like, I figure it's going to be one for me, one for you type of thing where it's yeah. like, I'll pick a book that I really want to read. Are you specifically, then, you're only reading one book at a time though. Yeah. I don't like to, to do that. Like I'm reading gotcha. a physical copy of the, of, um, what's it called? The uh, God Emperor of Dune. Okay. Which is the fourth book in the series. Um, but as far as like when my podcasting is done while I'm at work, I listen to gotcha. a book, but only one book at a time. Yeah, it's yeah. just, I don't want to juggle it. I just want to get through one book. Sure. And then go on to the next thing. Have you um, moved on to the uh, increased speed of the playback yet? Or are you still? No, I, it's distracting to me. Yeah, I, I'd same. rather listen to it sound regular. I know people love it that way. I, it's, it's uncanny to me. I don't like it. Yeah, it's weird. I agree. Cool. What else you got? Um, You've been consuming some stuff. I did. It was a good week of consumption. Um, so my final consumption note is our weekly full cast update. And I forget. I know we've talked in the past about it. You don't keep up with Jeopardy regularly, do you? No. Okay. So I obviously do. I watch it. Well, I haven't been watching it on Wednesdays, but I usually watch it four days a week. Um, and uh, so last week, early in the week, I guess it was Monday and Tuesday, I think. Or maybe it was Friday, Monday, Tuesday. There was a contestant who won as the challenger, ended up being a two-time winner, lost on the third one. Um, the guy's name was Lawrence Long. And you remember like the convention of when they introduced character character, character. They introduce a person <laughs> yeah. on jeopardy they say you know john smith from you know selena kansas who yeah. is a high school teacher right they, mm-hmm. they give you the name where they're from and what their their occupation is so it was lawrence long from i forget exactly where a nursing student and stay-at-home uncle <laughs> <laughs> that's great and i remember watching it while i was eating dinner and i double took and i was like did they just introduce him <laughs> as a stay-at-home <laughs> uncle? Not like, because, you know, there's always a thing where, like, after the first commercial break, midway through the first round, they do the, the host, up. you know, I've, it was Alex for a long time, but now it's, you know, they've had a rotating guest host. Now they've kind of seemed to have been finalized on it's half Mayan Bialik, half Ken Jennings, depending on their schedules. Okay. Um, yeah, they come and they talk to each of them for, like, 30 to 90 seconds about something they filled out in the questionnaire, right? Mm-hmm. It's not uncommon to hear details like that when they do that, but I've never heard someone introduced as a stay-at-home uncle. Amazing. I'm sure I must have heard someone introduced as a stay-at-home mother or father at some point, but sure. I've never heard someone introduced as a stay-at-home uncle before. I literally d- double-took, and I was like, what? A.K.A. I live in my sister's house. <laughs> so, you know, what? But I'm not judging. I was just like, how is this... <laughs> which you're being introduced as like right. it's just flabbergasted. So that happened. Like I said, I, I want to say it was probably Friday, Monday and Tuesday. Cause Wednesday is typically when the, the shutdown full cast comes out and I usually listen to it. And then I bring you the update when we record on Wednesday mm-hmm. night. So last Wednesday, they mentioned in passing that they had heard this on jeopardy. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, it's funny that, you know, at least one of them is a big jeopardy fan and heard this thing. And someone, uh, Holly, Anderson says, you know, someone reached out to me about this because, of course, it's the type of thing we would talk about on the show, even if none of us had watched it. Stay at home, uncle, 
you know, like we fully support this uh, life pursuit, you know, to be a stay at home uncle. Wouldn't we all like to be a stay at home uncle? And then went further. She was, goes, but the, she goes, the thing is a friend of mine reached out to let me know that this person listens to the show because this person, my friend knows Lawrence long <laughs> and Lawrence long is a huge fan of the shutdown full cast. And furthermore, they're a distant cousin of mine. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I wasn't aware of this. That's awesome. Lawrence is a distant cousin of mine this week. They had Lords on the shutdown full cast. Oh my goodness. So the whole episode was basically like, it was only about an hour this week. Call it roughly 45 minutes of it is basically like an interview of Lawrence long on the shutdown full cast by the whole group as they talk to him about it. And he divulges a whole bit about like what the process is like to, to get onto jeopardy, what it's like physically being on jeopardy, what his life story is. Guy lived a wild life. He's not very old. Like he's probably 35 or 40, something like that. And like, you know, he was born here and he, he was like, he was born in like North Carolina and then moved to Chicago and then moved to Colorado and then moved to New Mexico and has like family members from Florida and Canada and New Zealand. And it's like, what the fuck? Like he's been a sommelier and then he was like something else. And now he's a nursing student and also takes care of his niece when she was born like (laughs) it's just such a such surreal ride over the last two (laughs) weeks and like this week's episode is just basically a conversation with him finding out like the best part was like he mentioned like yeah like i like legitimately have listened to the show for like a really long time he goes in fact when you got spencer hall who's i guess you could say quote unquote kind of the lead of the podcast even though it's kind of an ensemble podcast he and a, like the rest of them eventually contributed to it, but he created this site several years ago called every day should be Saturday. It was a college football like blog okay. online. But as that, that site had grown and grown and grown, they had started to do events and all sorts of different stuff. And he, Lawrence tells this story about, he had gone to some art school, like after his, bachelor degree like he had got like a bachelor's in english and then went to some sort of art school for like postgraduate study and i forget the name of it but apparently it must be some sort of famous famous school and that the like performing art school that he went to sponsored one of the things and holly goes oh my god i remember that sponsorship that you put in there she goes i remember because i was like what are the odds that someone from that art school is such a huge fan of college football and our site? She goes, that was you guys. And he goes, yes, like that was us. (laughs) It was like such a cool thing that like he would like, it wasn't just what I was like, Oh, I love your show. And it's like, they're only, they've heard the show. Like like, legitimately has been like a super fan of their show for like eight years. (laughs) That's really funny. It was such a weird, random thing. Like, I just thought that was like kind of a cool thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's great. (laughs) Any other, any other consumptions? No, that's that's all I'm consuming this week. It was right. a lot. I've got a story for you, minor one. Okay, just, just it's just like flames, flames on the side of my face. You know how totally. I continue to hate watch The Walking Dead. Have you been continuing to watch? Of course. You texted me the other day, right, about the second part of the three part yep. final. That's where, that's where this is going. So I was gonna say before you get there, I'm just gonna say, you know, we talked about it some last week and we've talked about it in, in, in other times. Like you don't really have a full blown like television subscription anymore. Right. I still do. I still watch live television. I had come 
to terms with this idiocy several weeks ago, the fact that this is part two of a three-part finale. I'm guessing that's what you're going to vent about. Mm-hmm. I have been waiting for the show to end for so long at this point, where after the first part of the, la- of the last season, I was like, okay, we got through it. It's going to come back. We're going to get like eight weeks of episodes, and it's going to be done. It's going to be nope. over, and we'll be fine. Then the first episode plays, and like, here we go. We're getting into it. Finally picking back up on this nonsense cliffhanger that we didn't really need to have. Because really, the way that this episode plays out, it so clearly should have been the final episode before a break because there's like there's resolution. And like, Wait, they the next- ended on a cliffhanger and then came back with something that should have been resolution to the cliffhanger That's that right. ended a season? That's right. So they they came back, uh, and they which is basically the resolution of the of if they tacked it onto the end of the first part of the season, it would have been a nice concise like a full story, yeah. and then we could have moved on to part B, which is how they had done the seasons for the past few years. And I was like, now is there is there any chance that's a pandemic related issue no, or no? Absolutely okay. not. Um, so much so that it's so it's so not because it literally starts exactly where the other one ended Mm. uh but anyway this happens i'm like whatever it's fine we're moving on we're in it we're in it now this is it just a few (laughs) more weeks we're gonna we're gonna fizzle out it's gonna be great i just want to know after all this time we're gonna fizzle out it's gonna be great (laughs) how are they gonna end this garbage at this point this train wreck that they've created how are they gonna wrap it up and when the episode ends and it says Part two of the three-part final season, I went, you. And I just got so so angry because I had no idea this news was coming my way. I really thought that I was in it for eight episodes and that was it. And we were done. Well, I mean, you had to see it coming that it was going to be at least a two-part finale, right? Because they've always done the split seasons. But to me, and this is the the second part. The audacity that this is the third, this is a three part. And like, I'm fairly certain, like I could say with like 90% confidence that prior to this, it was stated that it was two parts, just like all the other seasons. I thought that's what I had heard too. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I will, I do, I, I will say that like during the first part of it, I was like, wow, you sure are introducing a lot of characters. To a series that you're wrapping up. Well, you gotta have two more parts to get rid of. Them. Oh my god. I'm so I'm just like it needs to it needs to be over. And I need I just wanna know where it's gonna go. And it's not even like I'm looking forward to some sort of specific conclusion. I just want it to be done. Yeah. It's funny because I missed the majority of the Whisper War. Because mm. the last episode I saw was there was a bunch of heads on pikes. Sure. That was a while ago, yeah. Yeah, it was a while ago. At this point. I've just resolved myself. No, it wasn't a joke about Pikes. No, I just thought about something from the episode that I will share with you after this, because you don't care. Okay, I don't. Um, no, I very much do not care, and I'm going to explain how. Um, I'm going to wait until the final episode's running. I'm going to read everything that I missed. Sure. I'll watch the final episode. Okay, cool. Cool. Uh, we could do a whole episode on that, probably. Um, well, there's, o- there's only going to be like 38 minutes of content, though. Sure. So... <laughs> Uh, spoilers for the first episode of the second part of the last season of The Walking Dead. Uh, uh, which I'm not entirely sure, but I'm pretty sure doesn't actually come out until this Sunday. 
<laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Because I remember seeing that graphic online somewhere that the first No, no, it is out. I think that on AMC Plus Oh, is that what is that why I was able to see I it? I think it aired last week. Okay. But it aired on TV this week after the Super Bowl. During the Super Bowl. I'm pretty sure it's it's, it's this coming Sunday. No, because I... <laughs> the release I, date is at least, as far no, as the I TV can, database I, is concerned. I'm fairly certain I can assure you that it was this past week, because during the Super Bowl, it popped up like, oh, we need to record two programs right now. We're going to switch channels unless you delete one of these programs. And the thing was The Walking Dead, and I said, oh, we're going to delete that. Uh, Nope, February 20th. Well, that doesn't explain how it was on my television the other day. It uh, doesn't explain how it was on mine either. <laughs> but either way... Regardless, here we are. Did they get the, did they get their own fucked up Maybe. AMC Plus re- release schedule I, fucked up? Like so, in this episode, it becomes very. It's been it's been fairly clear for a while now that um, you know, we know how ridiculous the show is. Nobody on nobody in the show knows how ridiculous it is except Negan. Negan knows how ridiculous everything is, and he's the proxy for the audience, and it's great. Did he stop playing Negan and go back to playing the comedian? Like, yeah. where he's the only person who sees the joke? Yeah. And it's great. Because there is a scene. How do they not realize it's so badly written at this point? Because it's been like eight years since it's been well written. I, I have no idea. But anytime that he's on on screen, it's captivating. Um, then when he decides that he's leaving, I'm like, well, shit. Um, but regardless, we're going back to it. Wait, he's going to be leaving before the end of the show? I, I don't know. I'm just saying, no, he's probably, he'll be back. Um, he, he walked off into the sunset at the end of this episode, which would have been the appropriate way to close out the first part of the final <laughs> season. Um, anyway, uh, we're in this little bit of a standoff. Uh, these new baddies have a sniper on a roof, right? And they're like, uh, they got the guns trained on Daryl and our friends. Mm-hmm. And they're like, if you don't give us our guy back, we're going to shoot. It's like, well, shit. So all their people start moving forward to get their guy. Sniper rounds fired off. Hits one of the bad guys in the knee. Everybody's like, whoa, what's going on? Boom. Father Gabriel comes in over the over the radio because he took out the sniper and he's got the rifle now, which is just a great twist. And slow pan to Negan with just this great slow turn grin on his face at realizing what's just happened <laughs> and in that he's the audience he's great he's just he's just along for the ride similar to me <laughs> to see what this shit show is going to bring us he's just there and it's it's hysterical there's actually a lot of brutal murdering going on in that episode too i, I just want to i want to I, I need to stress a little bit more about how this should have been the final episode of the first part of the season the first <laughs> Part of the season ends with there's like a hurricane. The walls are down in Alexandria. Judith is trapped in the basement with somebody else. Water's filling in the house. Right? That's one part of the cliffhanger. The other part of the cliffhanger is like the other group of people that have gone out into the world are uh, they've like gone into this compound and they have this gigantic firework machine and they are going to fire it down at the zombies and all of the people that are disguising themselves to try to break into this compound as zombies as well. They're doing the whole, you know, we're going to put some blood on us and walk in thing that they, that they remember conveniently every like 30 episodes are like, Oh, we could just be zombies. Um, <laughs> and they did that. And they, 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 they actually ends with them launching this gigantic firework gun, <laughs> anti-aircraft looking thing <laughs> at the group. Mm-hmm. And that's how the season ends. And this one picks up 
with them those fireworks landing in zombies and exploding. And then, you know, cut to Judith, who is like, you know, in the basement and the water is rising. Again, we're just back here. And we tie all of this up nicely. We left somebody in a church last season. Completely forgot about it until the end of this episode where they went back for him. Obviously, he's dead. Like, just, it, it all should have been wrapped up this way. And then Negan's like, Maggie, I've seen how crazy you are. I know, this is Negan talking to Maggie. I know that even though you said you wouldn't kill me. That that this only ends with you killing me. So mm. I'm gonna go. And he leaves. And like that would have been a good that would have been a good finale. But it wasn't. Yeah, I mean I guess I guess you'll have to wait and see what the next episode looks like to see whether or not it Even how if it he comes back on. in the next episode. Like he's not gonna come back in the next episode, and even if he did, that would have been a good time to return. No, I I'm not even saying from that perspective solely. I'm just saying like the cadence of the episode, like how it fits all together. But yeah, that in a vacuum, that sounds like a family. Oh, well, and they also, in this this new episode, ended with, uh, there's this whole other community that some of our other members have gone to and kind of become a part of, and they've been sending, they're sending back help. And in a moment where we think, oh my God, more people are coming to, to wreck Alexandria. We already have no walls and everybody's a mess. It's actually aid that's come to their help. And this very sketchy new mayor character of is like inviting them into his walls. Again, that's a good stopping point. We've yeah. wrapped everything up. Here's the new door that we're about to open. We will open it in part two. That's how yeah. you do it. <laughs> I hate them. I hate them so much. <sighs> I'm glad that you got that off your chest. Oh, my goodness. It's just really, really. Uh, it's just like, I just, at this point, I'm just like, son of a, just fucking, I want, I just want it to end. I just want to see where it goes. Just want it to, just want it to be over. Um, it really is just, it's just watching a train wreck. Like, it's a slow train wreck. The, it's like the train has is like going two miles an hour, has come off the rails, and it's like slowly rolling down a hill. <laughs> and it, and that's what I'm watching at this point. Towards a puppy orphanage or whatever, right? So, sure. The tr- <laughs> so, so, something like that. Um, anyway, are you up for some fun and games? Yeah, let's do it. All right, I've got a movie picked out. Okay. If you are ready to go, I will pull it up. Mission accomplished. It's pulled up. Okay. Did this movie come out in or after the year 2000? Yes. Okay. In or after the year 2010? No. Okay. Um, is this movie based on established IP? No. Okay, cool. Cool, cool. Is this an action-adventure type movie? Yeah. It's okay. listed that way. Uh, is this a comedic movie? No. Okay. So straight up action adventure, original concept. Hmm. Is this an ensemble movie? No. Okay. Hmm. Is this movie have any major Oscar nominations? Please hold. Where does it usually show that on IMDb? I always have such a hard time finding this information. Are you on the app or on the browser? The browser. Um, it should be under the cast list, I want to say. Uh, director, writer, casting, crew, storyline, taglines. Did you know? No, sorry, I was wrong. So <clears throat> from the top, you'll see I brought up the movie The Godfather. Okay. Right? You have The Godfather. You have the, the picture. You have director, writer, stars. Yep. 
underneath that, you should see a little banner. Oh, I see it. Those look like an ad. Uh, sorry. What was your question? <laughs> was it nominated for any major Oscars? Yes. Okay. Um, just to to clarify the redefine redef- redefine what the major Oscars are. One of the four major acting, director, writer, or sorry, director or picture, right? Like those are like the, the six big ones, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's one of those, okay. at least one of those. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Is this hmm. is this like a war movie? No, it's a weird. Uh... I would say there's there's some semblance of war here and there, but that's not like a focus of the actual. Okay. Okay. Like the main plot line. Interesting. Okay. Um. So it's yeah. It was obviously an outside of the uh, the range of movies. So it's not like a, a hacksaw ridge, you know. Where it's like it's a exactly. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Um. Okay. That'll be something to. Try I like. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm not gonna. I was gonna give another example, but I feel like it could also so far fit. So I'm not gonna. <laughs> okay. So very very clearly outside of the hacksaw ridge, Saving Private Ryan yeah. type of mm-hmm. movies. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Hmm. Problem is the next movie that jumped into my mind is definitely like a war war movie. It's probably not it, even though it's not like that conventional type of war movie. <clears throat> what next, what, I'm, this is an obvious, I guess. So I'm just talking out. Uh, the, what, what jumped into my mind immediately was the Hurt Locker, but the problem is I've never seen that movie. <laughs> um, I'm going to guess that's probably not it, though. Um, hmm. I don't know. I'm struggling on because you have stuff like in, in the 2000s, you have like a Black Hawk Down, which I'm pretty sure was 2001, right? That's clearly a war movie. Mm-hmm. And like when I think of that era of war movies, like that's what first comes to mind. And I realize I can't think of a lot of other ones. I feel like a lot of the major war movies I think of are very much like 80s, 90s, or like the last 10-ish years. Like I, I'm struggling to think of a lot of aughts mm-hmm. war movies. Well, we said no, though. No, I know, okay. but like even like tangentially related to war, like, sure. where like I'm trying to fit, like basically like connect the chain here from like this is a clear war movie to this is a only tangentially war movie. Like I'm trying to create that spectrum gotcha. for myself. Gotcha. You know, um, so is this movie based on a true story? No. Okay. Interesting. Hmm. Oscar nominated, tangentially connected to war, not based on a true story. Is this movie directed by Quentin Tarantino? No. Okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, yeah. That's 10. No. That's 10. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, all of a sudden I was like, Inglorious Bastards. But obviously that's not it. Okay. Interesting. Because that's not really a Also, war. when did that come out? That was post 2010, wasn't it? I thought that was 2009. It might have been. It might have been the end of the decade. Yeah. It's right around that time. Like, like it could literally be. 2010 and I yeah. was just off. Don't but, uh, try. I, I don't want to lead you astray. I, I would. If you, yeah. if you, if you just, if I were to have just answered no to the war thing immediately, I, it might have served you better, but okay. I, yeah. It, you know, I guess I yeah, I because I'm thinking too far into like parts yeah. of the movie. No, I'll leave that behind. Okay. Um, no, but like that one, like I wouldn't really consider Clarice Besser's a war movie. Right? Yeah, I, I guess. Well, that's why I went for that specifically. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, cause it's like, okay, like it's happening during world war two, but it's not really a war mm-hmm. movie specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. 
Does does the you said you said I did ten right? Yep. Does this movie take place more or less contemporary to when it was released? No. Okay. <sighs> Interesting. Does this movie take place in the twentieth century? Okay, I was just pulling up some more. Uh, no, sorry, I was not distracted by that question. I was just pulling. Okay. Up, I had to look into something. No. It doesn't take place in the 20th century. Okay. Older movie. Interesting. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Older subject matter. Hmm. Now I'm I apologize for the delay there. I don't want that to, to drive you. It, it no, no. I realize. Not. Okay. <laughs> I realize that. You, at first, I was like, that's confusing. Because if it's a movie that takes place in like 1905 <laughs> or something like that, it's going to be like. No, but I realized after like the pause went on long enough. I was like, okay, he didn't even like. Didn't Searching read, for didn't the answer register. to my question yet. <laughs> um, yeah, because then I probably would have gone down the path oh. of like, what's it called? Um, the Leonardo DiCaprio, Daniel Day-Lewis movie that I'm struggling to remember. Gangs in that New York. I, yes, that's the one. Um, I would have probably gone down that path if it was. Sure. Hmm. So the first thing that comes to mind is The Patriot, but obviously The Patriot's a war movie. <laughs> um, that's the year 2000. Because like I'm yeah you know, now I'm trying to thinking prior to mm-hmm. 2000 so huh I'm struggling to think of period pieces in the 2000s now Oscar nominated 2000s prior to 1900 not based on a true story man I'm drawing a total incomplete blank on this right now I don't even know which way to go next. Yeah, I feel like my de- my database is empty on uh, <laughs> was the intersection of Oscar nominated <laughs> based on a not based on a true story early two thousands taking place prior to nineteen hundred. I like I can't even think of a single movie right now. I hate that. Yeah, like not even like leading myself that, in, like, that feeling of direction. no no we've we've uncovered a genre that has no movie like we, we yeah right make it. <laughs> we should make it doesn't exist <laughs> the movie the movie does not exist yeah. <laughs> fuck or maybe I need to go back farther because what i'm thinking of is like very like revolutionary civil war type of stuff like that era not mm-hmm. those wars specifically um so maybe i need to go back further what well, how many how many have i done You're 12 I've done 12 you got some you got some to burn yeah I'm trying to figure now, now that I like have an idea, like maybe I should go further back. I'm like, I'm trying to think of yeah, you're, what you're in a weird spot too. Of like, I need to focus in on something. Yes. <laughs> well, so I'm, I'm trying to think of a question that can really uh, either eliminate a lot of options or can put me on a specific path, yeah. right? Um, is this movie based on the eras of ancient Rome or Greece? Yes. Okay. Is this movie directed by Ridley Scott? Yes. Is this movie star Russell Crowe? Yes. <laughs> is this movie Gladiator? Yes! 16! <laughs> I was really, really stuck there in the, like, 1600 to 1900 yep. range. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was really where all my focus was devoted. And I was like, I have nothing, because there's no <laughs> movies. Did we take place in the 20th I'm sorry, did you say second century? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I was like outside of like because like like I was like man, the only thing I can think of remotely is the Patriot, and that's clearly a war movie. What? I was like, I have nothing. What a bizarre I guess. Like, I was like, I need to go so much farther back, obviously, because there's nothing. There's so many movies made about the, the that 200 year period or 300 year period. None of them made in the years 2000 that aren't specifically about the war. Yeah, that would be Oscar nominated. It's like that's why I'm like, I have nothing. 
Yeah. And I was like, I so I must be missing. It's got to be like medieval or farther back. And then I, immediately I was like, it's going to be a fucking gladiator, isn't it? And I was like, if I just ask about Ridley Scott right now, yep. and it's not that, Burn I'm going to be so bad. So let me find some other question to get my way there. You know, it's funny. It's like you even even I wonder if you had even um, pulled on the Oscar section a little bit further like was it nominated yes but like more importantly it won like big it won actor and and best picture yeah but there's there's probably a way to get there but i just couldn't think of doing that sure. in an efficient way yeah. you know what i mean but you and you, you you agree with the whole it's not a war movie but there's war <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay. no, def- definitely yeah right. yeah because like they have like the uh the the war with the barbarians at the beginning right but then the rest of it's not actually a war movie exactly. like, fight sequences obviously I should have come to the Ridley Scott thing earlier, considering we're doing a Ridley Scott movie today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I take this and note especially... from, from Game Scoop, where they do video game 20 questions, where there's uh, uh, lately they've been playing into the fact like of like having a meta at play for what the actual answer is to some other context of the episode or things that are going on. Okay. Well, I've, I've definitely taken the theme into some of these where like sometimes I'll see a, note like an about a movie yeah. released on this date or... My mind was on based on a conversation we had in the past week, or I saw something that a lot of times those can be things that you wouldn't have any insight into, but like, yeah, you know, I should have considered earlier once I realized this is like a past movie that like, oh, we're doing a Ridley Scott movie. There's a decent chance this could be a Ridley Scott movie because he did some of those movies. That was my note to you when I was texting with you about this movie the other day Mm -hmm. or Actually, it might have been before. Yeah, no, it was definitely before you watch it where I was like, well, I think it was the day I was watching it when I was like, man, Ridley Scott knows how to direct like sword (laughs) sword fighting. Basically, he knows how to really direct (laughs) riveting and disgusting, revolting scenes involving like sword fighting, which I think holds true in The Last Duel. And it obviously was true of Gladiator as well. So for sure. Um, Well, well done, Al. 16 questions and you got it with that. It is time for our flick of the week. The Last Duel, released in 2021, rated R with a two-hour and 32-minute runtime. King, your IMDb synopsis, sorry. King Charles VI declares that Knight Jean de Carouge settle his dispute with his squire by challenging him to a duel. That's... I feel like they're putting the cart before the horse on that. Nah, the, that's not what happened. <laughs> I feel like he didn't order them to have a duel. I feel like they decided they were going to have a duel, and he said it was okay. Yeah, they decided... No, yeah, that's exactly... That's what the plot should have been written as. They decided to do a duel. King Charles VI was petting his dog and being like, I don't think he could do that. And somebody else was like, no, you still can. He's like, all right, let it be done. <laughs> that was, that uh, was honestly, the plot of the movie. <laughs> I, honestly, I just, that part is one of the most fascinating parts of the whole movie to me is... We don't allow duels anymore. And someone's like, mm, I understand we haven't had any yeah. in your memory, but like technically it's okay. So like we don't we don't not allow duels. <laughs> if if you want to, we can. We just kinda it's not illegal, it's just frowned upon. Yeah. <laughs> frowned upon. Uh, um, wait, wait, but where yeah, you it's but it's very much more like uh, King, we're gonna have a duel. And he's like, if you insist. Right. And then he gets real <laughs> into it. Yeah, too into it. (laughs) (laughs) What's your hot take for this one? A dour, depressing look at he said, she said through the lens of medieval greed, strife, and struggle. 
A vile tale, spiced up with Ridley Scott's talent for riveting and revolting swordplay. 7.5 out of 10. Nice. All right. I've got a well-crafted and immersive portrayal of a devastating and fascinating piece of manipulated history. 8 out of 10. Okay. I was pleasantly surprised with this movie after seeing a trailer for it and being like, this is probably going to be bad. To you considering, being like, this is, this is pretty good. To me going, this is pretty great. <laughs> considering how early on, like, I remember talking about it last week. Yeah. And you seem intrigued. Uh-huh. And then you texted me during the week when we were trying to lay out the next few movies and it sounded like you were like wholly out on the experience. And I was like, this is unfortunate. I never sold this. I actually, I made explicitly clear last week when I talked about it during consumption that I did not want to tip my hand how I felt about the movie until you went and saw it because I didn't want to taint the jury pool. And it seemed like you were like totally out. And then you're like, all right, fucking I'll watch it. Watched it. Texted me something about the movie that we're in total agreement with. And I think everyone of sane mind and body should be on the same page on. And I was like, okay, I hope he's just really hung up on that detail, which is vile. Absolutely. (laughs) Unquestionably. And with no caveats, but like that shouldn't impact the quote unquote enjoyment, the appreciation, let's say the appreciation of the movie. A very, a very well done movie with a, I think maybe almost too subtle of an important message to tell uh, because what I found well, fascinating about the I was movie, say, some of it is maybe too subtle. Whereas they then just totally like slingshot to other things being way too heavy handed. Sure. <laughs> but what, I, what I found the most interesting was after the fact, I was like, wow, like this is really fascinating. This whole story that, like, you know, based on a true story, I was like, so for the first thing I dive into is like, okay, like how accurate are we talking? And it's like people like the number of being thrown around was like, 75% accurate. Like, it's See, like, I just didn't have the time or inclination to do the research. Like, I, I do actually want to... I don't want to read the book. Yeah. Like, I just don't... It's not, not interesting. super interesting. Yeah. I saw... The movie was not for me. Like, I, I got it, the... It, exactly. More than the cliff notes. But I would like to, if I could find something that would take me five or ten minutes to read, mm-hmm. just to ascertain the level of factual accuracy to this history. I, I would like that information just in my back pocket. I think what's interesting and what you would appreciate is if you do a little sur- like do a little digging into what happens next. I just didn't get it around. Yeah, no, for, for sure. But like what happens next is really what fascinated me. And that's where I say like the manipulation of history because what's going, what actually happens after the fact is that this specific thing that happened in history because it was vague and because everybody knew it was vague and and obviously this whole trial by like it's god's not gonna let the it, we all I, at that point it seemed they all knew this whole thing was bullshit so what they realized was hmm we can manipulate this to our gains like we can use this oh, story to influence so many things going forward laws that will be made laws that will be things that will be outlawed all sorts of stuff and like in each one of those instances the story is like looking at this thing that happened through the lens of, well, this is why it's wrong. And, and it's really just becomes like debate class of like, how can you persuade the rest of the group using this thing as evidence? Because even, and it was, it, it I actually really would sketch. be really, I really would be curious to see some of those things because so much of the American judicial system is based on common law, which comes from ancient laws from right. England which not to be I'm confused sh- with maritime law, not to be confused with maritime law, um, which has zero to do with boat crime. Uh, <laughs> just to tie a bow on all of those thoughts. 
so I'd be curious to see what the ripple effect from this event was that might affect 2021 hmm. American court system issues, especially through the lens of what the was the thing you texted me about the other Oof. day, which again we were both in 100% agreement on. I'm going to bring up. I I I, fair. I I said before you read it. I the scene plays out. And before I texted you out loud alone, I go, fuck, did he just say? (laughs) So Anthony sent me a quote from the movie. A rape cannot cause pregnancy, period. This is just science, period. And it's like, and the the most terrifying part about that is I'm fairly certain that I've seen that tweet. Yeah, I, well, that was, you, you, you then followed it up by saying I almost puked. Yeah. I said, it's vile. And then I said, there's literally still people in this country who think that too. And this is what, 700, 800, 900? I forget what year that took place. But it's hundreds, nearly a thousand years later. Yeah. Yeah. We we know. Yeah. It's the 1300s, I think it was. I, I, that's what I thought. Yeah. That's why I said 700 years. But then there was, for whatever reason, at some point, I kind of had like a weird second guessing. It was like, wait, no, was it older? Was it like 10? Like, was it like 1,000? I don't remember. Yeah. But uh, that's one of those ones that's, it's funny because early on, now, this is post-rape, before they get into the nitty-gritty of the trial. Mm-hmm. I was laughing. Like, in those one of those ways where it's like, if you don't laugh, you'll cry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, dark, like, black comedy type of laughing. Like, this hurts inside. Mm-hmm. I was laughing a little bit at some of the ways they were talking about sex. Actually, because some of this conversation about sex happened actually prior to the rape, right? Because, um, but most of it was after. Yeah. Where, you know, did the sex bring you pleasure? Mm. And how that then becomes, well, everyone knows that a child can't be conceived if there wasn't pleasure. And it's like, do we know that, though? Yeah. Yeah. Had we established that? And, like, there's a whole conversation to be had with, back then, like, (laughs) the ideas of whether a woman, forget about was encouraged to have an orgasm, was, frankly, even allowed to have one Mm -hmm. in sex. (laughs) Completely irrespective of the conversation about rape or not rape. Just, like. Whether, like, considering how repressed they were sexually, and it's not like everyone is even beyond that point at this point now, right? But, <laughs> like, I always remember, and, like, we don't really do overt, like, quote-unquote politics on this mm-hmm. show, but it reminds me of that tweet by Ben Shapiro from a couple years ago about, <laughs> from his perspective, the conversation he had with his wife about, what, like, the sexual proclivities of women and what leads to orgasm and what are the byproducts of orgasm for a woman? Mm. <laughs> and I was like, I remembered that tweet and the, all of the dunking on him after it while watching this movie, yeah. when everyone's asking her about like when the doctor's asking her about one well, and, and sex with your husband, does it bring you pleasure? And she's like, Oh yes, definitely. <laughs> Whereas we, you know, when we watch the movie, we see that yeah. she's like, yeah, totally, 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 totally <laughs> very clearly doesn't. And like the fact that there's an entire societies built on the entire lie that, women get pleasure from the sex that they're getting 30 to 45 seconds at a time from their husband. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which yeah. again, it, it was a different time. And from the, when you consider lineages, I get why like back then, most of the sex was driven from, I need an heir. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I get that. And I, I can, I can empathize with that considering the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and especially when we're talking about a character like, um, Jean de Cruz, like, He's late in his life that he's taking a second wife. Mm-hmm. He had already had a wife and child die. He's absolutely paranoid about not getting an heir. 
They've had years of sex that has not produced an heir. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm empathetic to that situation. I'm not empathetic to all the things it foments. Sure. Uh, <laughs> but like on the surface in a vacuum, I get it. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, especially for that time period. Like it's yeah, as far as the storytelling, the timepiece and what is, what is considered like to be right and what has to be done. Like, yeah, it like it, it makes sense. Like why he, like the, the character being like more strung out and stressed about it. Um, yeah, for sure. It's just, it's just, it does like, it was, it was more so like some of the other things like we were talking about, like the, some of the courtroom stuff where it was just like, like, why are we still having these conversations? Why? Like, like this, like it was said in such a way that vile comment that I shared with you, it was said in such a way of like, so matter of fact, I was like, that is how things are still said. That is how yeah. things are still said. And it's terrifying. There's still a non-trivial amount of people. And we're not just talking about some dude in his basement online. We're no. talking about people who inform actual like judicial and like congressional yeah. and it's like at the state level, like policies, like governmental policies who still believe that the only way that a child can be conceived Thank is goodness. through consensual sex. It's just flat out ain't true. But then like all of the manipulation, even in that scene, like even the, even all of these parties that are terrible and saying these things, even them trying to manipulate the story for whatever their gain is in, in the, in the telling of it. It's like, well, um, rape can't produce a child. Oh, a woman has to uh, experience the little death to have to be to conceive a child. And it's like, well, if she's pregnant, uh, and clearly he didn't lie. He's the man. He didn't lie. So you enjoyed it. So you're a whore. And it's like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> it's like, what, what is going? It's like everybody needs to pump the brakes in this courtroom. Yeah. Well, I also the ro- <laughs> the roller coaster of. Okay, we'll hear you out. We're having a we're having a trial. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll hear you out. Slut. The, 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 no, no. But like, even even when you do the slut under the breath, right? Which absolutely happened. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? That's what we have a trial for. It's to ascertain who's telling the truth because mm-hmm. we're pretty sure you're lying. But we'll we'll grant you there's a one percent chance you're not lying. But if this duel ends with God proving that you are a liar, we're going to burn you at the stake. So yeah. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Before, okay, Jesus Christ! Before we, before we run our verdict, can I give you one more minute? You know, uh, say what you want to say. If we do find you guilty, we're going to set you on fire. It'll take approximately 20 minutes for you to die. <laughs> the follow-up with the follow-up with the specific dis- details and disclaimers oh of what goes into being burned to death. Also, uh, it goes to show you how much um, science they did on burning people at the stake that they seemed much more firm in the science of how one dies when being burned at the stake yeah. than they have science as to the conception of a child. Yeah. But even that, even that very was, uh, <laughs> was a cautionary tale of like how, you know, like settlements are made and threats are happening like today in courtrooms. And like, it, it's just, it's not, literally like what I said, was like the credits roll. It's like, Everything is awful. Nothing's changed. That was my takeaway from the movie. <laughs> well, also like the fact that like the trial process is not too dissimilar. You have a whether it be a judge or a panel of judges or a judge and jury. You have two people make their opening and closing arguments, and then we figure it out from there. Like, yeah, two people make their opening and closing arguments, and they get on horses and they beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> also, I have a, I have, a, I have a, a slight gripe here. I'm not saying that this isn't how it happened. Mm-hmm. I've never witnessed a duel that was we're going to have a jousting tournament that maybe le- leans into, we're just going to like kill the shit out of each yeah. other with swords and axes. Like 
I I feel like a jousting tournament's for sport. Right. And there are melee tournaments with blunted weapons for sport, but right. then there's also melee tournament or melee fights to the death. I was always under the impression no. that a duel was just the on the foot to the death thing, not the jousting. Right, no, this thing. is a straight up murder joust. This is I, I was yeah. very confused by that whole just structurally that setup. And as it's not going on, it I'm was... like, I'd rather watch a nice tale. That's more fun. Well, it did remind me of a nice tale, especially since I saw it on like Showtime or something the other day, and I'd I'd like to rewatch mm-hmm. that actually, only having seen it all the way through the one time for the show last year. Sure. But uh I was just confused. I've never I I always thought that jousting in that format was right, for, for sport. sport. Mm-hmm. Like obviously there are cavalry that have spears on horses, but like you don't use a tournament lance. You use a real lance yeah. and you just try and gore a bunch it's of called people. Lance. Hello. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um I've never seen that as part of a duel. I just assumed yeah. the duel would be you pick your weapons, you stand across from each other, you bow to the king, and then you go kill the shit out of each other. Not we're gonna do some jousting, some some light jousting that leads into at some point one of you is gonna decide let me pull out my sword and try and chop the other dude who's still holding his lance. Like that's that's I'm not aware of any duel in which that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Not to say again that it wasn't riveting because it was. So so let's pull, pulling back for a moment, I think yes. the storytelling mechanic of the movie is really what what stands out for me, which I think made it just just an excellent watch and also really uncovered some tremendous performances. Yes, that was the part, that was why I wanted to do this movie, because it wasn't quite like anything I had ever seen before. I've seen stuff with unreliable narrators before, Mm -hmm. but not typically in the sense of we're going to have three narrators and you got to figure out who's telling the truth, and you don't get at the end of it Tim Curry explaining to you what the real truth is. One plus two plus two plus one. Yeah, like that's the closest thing to this. Even if that were true, one plus one plus two plus one, not one plus two plus two plus one. Uh, yeah, so opening and bookending the actual core of the movie with like the start of the duel and the end of the duel, and then the middle part being three characters in three separate chapters telling the exact same story. Very, just very captivating storytelling. And then, well, not the exact same story, right? Overlapping the, the same events, showing a lot of them from the different perspectives, talking through the same time, but like we get a bunch of scenes that overlap between all three mm-hmm. where it's like this exact same scene happened, but we're seeing it from the first and the second and the third perspective. Yeah. But then we see a bunch of other scenes that fill in the gaps between that. We didn't see in the other perspectives and watching that whole tapestry being woven together. I found totally fascinating about this movie. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I will say the thing that really stood out for me though, were, um, were the performances of Matt Damon and Jody Comer, 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 uh, because specifically because their characters are they they were the ones that overlap the most in those storylines of like being in the same scene but playing the scene differently because you're playing it through the through the lens of the person telling the story and I thought that was amazing like you see especially when their interactions are with each other right because from Matt Damon's uh, from Sir John's uh, perspective he's like you know like he's a great husband he's like you know cares about his wife he's understanding of the fact that she can't have a child uh, or has been unable to conceive thus far and then from her perspective it's like he's not supportive he's actually a dick about it and makes her feel pretty terrible about it but the scene is the same it's just the demeanor of the character in the scene is different the storyline lines up the actual actions and the results line up it's just the 
emotional aspect of it that is different. And I thought that was really cool. Well, also, there's and like absolutely from like a thematic standpoint and like showing two different character perspectives and a, like a narrative perspective that was all great. But when we talk about the real life events, Jean de Cruz is undoing. I mean, he ends up prevailing in the end, right? But his undoing is that his ego, and it's also what it's the most disgusting thing he does. Because mm-hmm. we see the scene f- first from his perspective when. Uh, when his wife tells him that she's been raped and by who? Yeah. In his telling, he admits he loses his temper. Yeah. He's he's scared. He's angry, confused. Mm-hmm. Powers through it, regains his composure, is accepting and supportive of her. Right. Her telling, it's mostly confused and angry. Mm-hmm. Chokes her. Yeah. But then he backs off. Huh. Supports her. But for like but more so for his own benefit and ego. Well, no, no, hang on a second. Though. Supports her for like seven seconds <laughs> and then decides, well, I mean, he can't be the last person who's fucked you. So, let's oh, get God, yeah, that scene was I was like, no, no, no. And I was like, oh, God, you almost kind of sort of got back to redeem yourself ish. Like choking out your wife after she's been raped. Really not OK. Yeah. But you kind of almost sort of got back on the horse. And then it's like. But, and listen, I understand that 700 years ago, we did not understand PTSD in the same way we do now. Sure. Hell, you could argue that. We still don't. Seven years ago, we didn't <laughs> understand PTSD the same way that we do now. Yeah. Like, really, it's weird how much we've developed our thoughts on that, in some, at least in some corners of society, in the last, like, decade. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, there's the disgusting part where I felt like I needed a shower after watching him yeah. insist that they have sex right after she's just told him that she's been raped and then also he choked her. Yeah. But also how many belts you got on? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're still you know, many centuries away from elastic. That being said, what stood out to me is the trial would have been really simple and also would have advanced science so much if he didn't have sex with her. Mm. He held back science almost a thousand years alone. I'm going to blame him for it <laughs> because if he doesn't insist out of pride and fucking her right after she's been raped yeah. and she shows up pregnant with Legree's child, all of this goes away. Yeah. But because he does, we don't know whose child it is. And he holds back science single-handedly for a thousand years. Yeah. It's his fault. It, it, everything, everything that has gone wrong for the last thousand years, his fault. basically. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I I buy it. I buy it. Oh my god. Yeah, you're right. I actually I actually kind of forgot about that scene and how horrible it was. And then I was I and I remember like I think I crawl I, I crawled so deep into the couch. <laughs> like I was just like, no, get me out of here. <laughs> like this is no. Uh but no, you're right. Uh, but I, I I would even say like like the subtleties in their performances were were really impressive. Um see it's funny, it's funny that you cite that, because I thought they did a great job. Yeah. But what came away from me was like everyone can feel how they want to feel about the movie and you can nominate this and that and the other thing from this movie or not nominate and that's fine. But to me, I thought the standout performance was Adam Driver. Really? Yeah, I thought he did a great job. Interesting. I am on the other side. I I actually feel like he I don't I I don't know what it is. I like Adam Driver. I feel like I've always I've been I've enjoyed him over the years in movies and think that he's a good actor, but I was starting to I'm starting to feel a little bit like he is just kind of playing that same I don't know he's got like certain demeanor that his character always have which is maybe just be the Adam Driver demeanor and like it it doesn't it didn't seem to me like it was that impressive this time around 
Well, there's so, well the thing is this it, it it doesn't really match with what his critically acclaimed roles are, but I thought that this role was similar to it was a more refined version of the Kylo Ren character mm-hmm. where he's a loathsome terrible person mm-hmm. who also can charm you into not hating him at times. Sure. Like he does he doesn't have the petulant childish temper tantrums and outbursts that Kylo Ren has, but when you look at him right he's Aspires to greatness, mm-hmm. martially impressive. You grow to hate him because he represents terrible things. He does terrible things. But also he has these scenes where he turns the charm up to 11. It's like, fuck, I don't really want to hate him right yeah, now. Yeah. Uh, and I get why other people like him. I, I can see from, from yeah, uh, thinking about it more so, like, if you think about his telling of the story, especially, like, when he's um when he's with Lady Marguerite in, like, well, that's the that's why I say area. Right. That's why I cite the performance because yeah. when you okay. consider the, I'll, the I'll, whole, f- I'll take it the back. First, I'll go in with that. The first third of the movie is told from Damon's perspective, and you still don't know what to expect from this movie mm-hmm. yet. And every at every turn, it's like he's viewed as kind of like at first, it's like okay, he's just the squire, mm-hmm. and then it's well, he's kind of callous that he doesn't understand what his that is that he's putting his friend in a bad position, and he you just view him as like he's like trying to like be a social climber. But, like, also, it's funny because even in slight tellings of, like, what Damon's giving, it's like, oh, maybe he's not that bad. Yeah. Like, he's just in a tough spot. And then as it goes on, Damon's righteous anger feels like, oh, yeah, he's, a like, a, a snotty piece of shit. And then you get his telling. And it's totally opposite, which, from a narrative perspective, is really cool. But from a character perspective, there's a much greater range of outcomes to Driver's performance than there is to Damon. Like there's times where from like a story perspective, he seems heroic, but the character is still pretty dour and depressing. Even in his own telling, he doesn't come off as being this like a lively personality. Mm. He knows what he is as like a personality. Yeah. Right. Well, but Driver, like he put, he puts him in the corner. He puts him down for the first half of his telling. And then mm. he's like, just this up jumped piece of shit. Whereas when in his telling of the story, you realize he's, much more clever and charismatic and you realize he's the climber that Damon claims, but you don't realize the depth and like, like the, like the breadth of all of how he's trying to do all of this and just how conniving and cunning he is. And to, to see him look kind of like a dullard who just is in the right place at the right time in the first, then you realize, no, no, he's been planning this and cultivating this and, has set this up for his own. He's greased all the right palms and he's kissed all the right asses mm-hmm. to be in a like great position. And I'm sure he overplays his prowess with women. And yet he only overplays it to a certain extent because we know for a fact from other people's perspectives that he is quite successful mm. with women and quite successful with the Lords that he needs to impress. And to see him look like he's just kind of some afterthought who's just everything's going his way to then seeing him charm everyone like Rasputin to get into. Yeah, well, I'm, I think you know Driver's character Legree. Uh, he thinks he's Austin Powers, but in actuality, he's Doctor Evil. Well, I mean that's that all. One, separate sorry, thing. that one's for you. That was just an yes. inside one for you. <laughs> yes, but that's a whole separate situation for me. Yep. I found from a narrative perspective the Damon storyline to be very interesting, but from a character perspective, I found the so okay driver situation much more character wise. Yes, I agree. I think Jacques Legree is a much more interesting character on screen because he is also the subject of like he is or isn't a villain, 
And like that's yes. like, and it's very, it is compelling storytelling. I would, from the actual nuance of the performance though, like sure, like there's some, there's a lot of subtleties in his portrayal of the character. I, I just thought he, he he displayed a much wider range of outcomes than Damon was asked to in this movie. I don't. It's not, I don't, not, I don't it's not a failing of Damon. No, no, I, don't, I, I, I don't know if that's true though, because if you if you take if you take Matt Damon and I like you put him, he is in the same scene twice as or three times even from actually, which is making it even more impressive. Three times they put him in the same exact scene, and he is playing three. He is playing the role in three different ways in that scene. Whereas the other character, like, whereas Adam Driver's performance, it's it's a little bit more nuanced. And, like, there are subtle shifts in how he portrays himself. I th- and, it, and it, you know, which is great because the character is kind of slimy and it makes sense that he would be able to do it. Matt Damon's character is being, it's like, it's through the lens. It is very clearly through the lens of himself, through Legree, through Marguerite. And it's the changing from being the hero of the story to being the fool to like being like the, the guy who's kind of out of touch, like, but playing the same scene over and over again. I actually thought that was super impressive. I, when you talk about the overlap scenes, mm-hmm. th- that that's probably the, the case. Uh, what, what was more affecting to me was seeing the portrayal of Legree in Damon's perspective, and then seeing in Legree's perspective, scenes that we didn't see from the Damon perspective. And then seeing where that, overlapped with the marguerite perspective i just thought he had a great a wider range of outcomes Mm. across different like snapshots into that character's portrait Hmm. i mean like i'm I'm not trying to discredit uh damon's performance at all i thought he did a a, a, i thought all the major characters did it's funny i was texting with uh with my cousin mike uh a couple hours before we recorded hey mike Mm -hmm. um and we were talking about this movie he's like oh i he goes i just listened to your guys sh- most recent show. I'm glad that you guys are going to be doing the last duel. I'm glad you liked it, whatever. Um, and I was like, yeah, I was like, uh, and he goes, you know, you even stomached Affleck. I was like, well, he, he did the Affleck thing, right? Like the only performance tips. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, for me, it's, it's about the only time that he's really compelling or convincing is to me is when he plays an asshole, yep. which is why for the longest time, I just yeah. assumed that he's an asshole and, He's playing the same details. character that he plays in Mallrats. It's great. Yeah, basically, except he's given slightly more screen time, and also he's got different, fancier clothes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like in, in his, like he got, we got exactly what we expected out of him, and like he does a fine job at playing the same character yeah. he always plays. Um, Comer and driver and damon were asked to do a handful of different things across their different perspectives and i thought they all did a really solid job with them yeah. um i just thought that driver was the standout for getting to do more different things across different tellings. yeah I, I will say I, I i like the subtleness of the changes in his character i think that the i think that's impressive i like i think yeah. they all have their their thing going for them uh, adam driver's subtleness Matt Damon's ability to play three, like play the character in three completely different ways, almost as three different characters. And then the one that really stands out to me um, is Jodie Comer's like, it's very like her differences are very like subtle and she doesn't have a lot of lines, but she does up until her story. Yeah. But she does so much physical acting like body language, the way a a glance uh, like, you know, a turn away. There's something that like, 
there's so much going on in her character. Uh, like there's so much in her character storytelling because there's actually consistencies of her throughout the three storylines that make her ver- her account of the events feel the most accurate because she doesn't change sure. throughout them. Well, also unsubtly at the beginning of her storyline, they say the truth. No, right. Cause <laughs> like the, the first one, it's like, the truth, or the, it was like, I don't remember it said the truth of the story according to Jean de Carouge. And then it said the truth or the story, I forget, uh, according to Jacques Legree. And then the final thing, it says the truth. I didn't realize Mar- it said that. Yeah. Oh, like, that's funny. Like, 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 it was like chapter three, like Marie, I forget what her original name was, like the truth. Interesting. And it was like, oh shit, <laughs> you know? And that's cool. It's interesting that a perspective in that time period that the perspective from her would be granted as a truth. Now, maybe it's just, listen, we're making this movie in 2021. We, we understand that the, he said, she said thing. And the thing is like, we'll just come out and say it now and we can continue to talk about it some more as we go. But what, what fascinated me was I thought I had kind of gotten the gist of where the story was going, where, because Matt Damon had told his story the way we, and like at first, like you want to just accept all that at face value, right? Mm-hmm. Until you watch, the Legree character tell his whole thing and you realize, oh, there is some subtle differences in the way he tells the story, right? The, take the first scene, that first battle, I forget yep. where it was. He saves, you know, De Cruz chain saves Legree's life. Yeah. He's the hero and everyone keeps thanking him. Legree keeps thanking him for saving his life. He's your, you're my hero. You saved my life. And then we see Legree's version of the story. And it's like they each saved each other's life. Mm-hmm. And he's the one who covers for Carouge fucking up strategically on this battle. Right. Whereas in the, in Karuja's telling the story, it's like, I made a choice. You can argue with whether it was the right choice or wrong choice. I did what I thought was right. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Whereas like it's presented the other way. It's like, no, he made the wrong call. We're just going to do it for honor. Yeah. Like he made the very obviously wrong call, both factually and morally and ethically, but like we're locked into the, we're doing the honor thing now. Mm-hmm. Um, but like that whole different. Oh shit! I forgot. I I just forgot where which which way I was going with this whole thing. But like the god damn it! How did I start this whole point? Fuck! I'm so mad because <laughs> I, got lost in my own, I got lost in my own thing here. Ah, damn it! Damn it! I totally lost. I got. I went on a tangent there slightly, and I I kind of forgot where I was going. And now I'm trying to piece it back together because I got lost in the whole thing about the opening sequence because it, that was actually pretty fascinating. I like the right. Well, it was, and that's why I got lost in yeah. I got lost in my own fucking point here. Jesus Christ! Ah. This isn't even one of those ones where I'm like falling asleep. No. I'm ready to go here. <laughs> oh, yeah, think about it. Think about it. Take a breath. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm probably not gonna get back there. But going back to like her telling of this, the what one of the things I found interesting with with her was, um, they sh- they sh- they don't show her. Oh, sorry. You you were talking about how you had an idea of where it was going. Oh yeah, sorry. When when um. So we, we saw that version of the two versions of the yeah. same mm-hmm. situation, right? So I thought it was going to be one of the situations where when the alleged rape happens, that driver's telling of the story was going to be that everything, considering he had, his telling of the story was she's flirting with him and she's basically implying that I'm going to leave my husband for you yeah. because you're so much more interesting and fascinating. We're clearly soulmates mm-hmm. and everything. Like he's going to have built up the story in his own mind and that it was going to come out in his telling as this was more or less consensual. Mm-hmm. But no, when he's telling the story, he very clearly rapes her. Yeah. 
And then when he's pressed by Ben Affleck's character, at first he resists telling him that he's like, well, yeah, sure. Obviously I raped her, but like, yeah, yeah. She, I, secretly she wanted she, it. Yeah, like, that, that was that whole thing. Well, of, yeah, well, she said no, but <laughs> Jesus like, Christ, <laughs> you know. And so I was, I was floored by the fact that like in his telling, he even comes out and tells you, oh yeah, no, I raped her, but like, it's not really rape. Like, cause like, obviously we know she wants me. Like, how could she not want me? I'm me. It's like, you know, like, and it's like first light ew. reason. <laughs> Basically. Right. Like, but second of all, I was like, Oh, I was expecting this to be a whole, like full court denial. And right. like, obviously when he, when he goes to court, it's like, no, this is ridiculous. And it's like, you're disgusting. Yeah. But regardless, not that I expected him to fall on his knees and confess to it, but regardless, I found that fascinating. It was like, Oh, I thought this whole thing was going to be, we're going to get Carouge's version. Then we're going to get Legree's version. They're totally at odds. And then we're going to hear from her and we have to f- decide whether she actually is telling the truth. It's like, nope, he admits basically that he raped her. Mm-hmm. And she tells us, and it comes out way worse, obviously, in her telling of it, which, I mean, you can get into the arguments of trauma and how that colors those sorts of things, but whatever. It's irrefutable that he raped her. Yeah. It's irrefutable that he raped her. Mm. But... I was like genuinely shocked that his telling, he's like, yeah, I did. But like, come on, like those are details. Like she wanted it. Come on. Like she could say no all she wants, but she wanted it. It's like, it was terrible. Oh God damn. It was so, it was so dirty. I I was shocked that that was the way that that story. Yeah. That they're actually, that they actually went there. Yeah. And then like, it comes down to, well, um, uh, Pierre is like, okay, I get it. You have to deny it though. Like you have to deny it. Anytime it comes up, deny, deny, deny. And it's like, Jesus. And like, that's where we are. This is where we are. we're at. Nothing, Which, yeah, again, like, those are things changed. that still happen yep. now, right? Like, it's still happen. And like, I think so much so that he denies it to the minute he is kneed in the back of the head onto a sword, he is denying it. Yes. But he already told us he did it. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Give me the willies. Don't like but it. I, I've, I've going back to her performance. Well, not, not to take away anything from her performance. Cause I thought she did a really good job. Um, but for, this is actually more like a, from a filmmaking perspective, what I found was really interesting was we, we, we have the temporary reconciliation between Carouge and Legree, where they go to um, celebrate the birth of um, the one noble. I forget what the character's name was, but it was the, um, the Martin Sockus character. Who Crespin? Was, the, was that his name? I, I don't so. remember. He was the only person who ever was in like, like Carouge's corner towards the end. Like mm-hmm. at that point, everyone is firmly against him. And he's like the only. So much so that us. when Adam driver gets his head impaled on the sword, he goes, yes. <laughs> well, no, so much so that like during the fight before anyone is like clearly in the lead, the entire court other than him is rooting for Legree. Yeah. It's like, that's the dude who was accused of rape. Like, mm-hmm. Can we at least be neutral? And then if you want to, <laughs> like, can we just be neutral? And then like, if he wins and you want to celebrate him, go for it. But like to be so obviously rooting for him during the fight is like, it feels a little, a little grimy there. Mm-hmm. Like, like some of you somewhere, like that's what it comes down to, which actually I guess was to your point about like subtle commentaries. Like some of this comes down to popularity content yeah. contest, right? When it comes Big down time. to, he said, when it comes down to, he said, she said, it's like, I like that person better. Like he said, she said, well, he's got great hair. It's like basically, it it holds no weight in this conversation, yet somehow here we are. It just flat out came (laughs) down to, I don't really like him 
and I do like him. Yeah. So he's probably telling the truth. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, which again, that's that's a thing that still exists, and and I'm part of that's human nature, but still, ew. Yep. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> getting back to indeed, what I keep that that scene uh, where they're they're celebrating the you know, they have the the brief reconciliation at the beginning, right? Where which is fun. Actually, the funny thing was like that the the two versions of their reconciliation was almost like dead even. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what comes next, where in Karuja's version of it, it basically ends with the reconciliation. Whereas with with uh, Legree's version of it, that then gets onto the point where he starts to flirt with Marguerite for the first time. Because that's the first time he met her. Right. Yeah, that whole thing where they're talking about languages and reading and history and all that fun stuff and whatever. Um, and then she goes off to dance with her husband. And from his perspective, there's nothing going on there with that dance. Mm-hmm. But she's throwing eyes at him the whole time. Right. And then you get Marguerite's version of the story. And as much as what I found interesting was like, because obviously Carouge's version of himself is he's the heroic one. Yeah. And then Legree's version of Carouge is he's a useless a piece of shit. Yeah. Her telling is interesting because over the course of their relationship, there are ups and downs. She does seem to love him, mm-hmm. even though he's not really lovable. There are some things he does that are good and some things that he does are bad, some things that she supports, some things that she doesn't. Like, it's a complicated relationship, mm. uh, which I, I found interesting because it could have just been, well, he's kind of an annoying asshole and she's just doing her duty. And, like, a lot of it's that, but, like, it's not all that. Yeah. And in that scene, I found that switch very interesting from a like a, a narrative perspective, considering we're trying to build this whole picture here, where she seems to really be enjoying her dance with her husband and the two of them are actually gossiping. Yeah. It's the only real time that we see them socially from her perspective, doing something there. And she's smiling at her husband, not at him. Right. She looks at him and she's saying to her husband, he's weird. Yeah. <laughs> also, and like, like she also is saying like, she has a couple lines and they're like, kind of like we can manipulate this guy a bit by like, you know, you throw a glance like, and that she, she yes. knows what she's doing. And it's great. Yeah. And also uh, informed by that scene before that, where she's talking with the other ladies and she's like, mm-hmm. mm, he, I mean, he's attractive, but like, he's weird. Yeah. And uh, everything I've heard is like, he's kind of a piece of shit. And they're all like, oh, yes, but like, could you imagine being in bed with that piece of shit? And it's <laughs> like, but you're still in bed with a piece of shit. You like, you realize that, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's, it, it really was, a, it, it was a, it was a very captivating movie. Like, I feel like I was locked in for the entire runtime. Not once did it feel like it was dragging. Cause I was like, just such a great storytelling mechanic. Yeah. It is a little long and it is, de- it is developed at a, at a slow pace, but not in a boring or untru- no. un- uninteresting way. Like it's, it never feels like it drags despite the fact that you do feel like it's, this is a story that's getting told in its time. Yeah. I've got a question. Okay. All right. Go to the duel. Okay, we're 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 chasing each other down on these horses, doing a little joust action. Uh, eventually, uh, Jean gets pinned against the wall. Uh, asks for an axe. The yeah. guy on the field throws him an axe. Moments later, that guy on the field is dead. And I don't. I st- I rewound it twice, and I couldn't understand what happened to him. It seemed like he Ooh. was getting decapitated. But I don't remember now. Hmm. Um, I I wish you had, had like asked me about this before because I would yeah. have rewound and watched it because um, I know 
So I can't remember if it was in that scene or if it was somewhere else. I think it must have been that scene. Didn't Karuge gets unhorsed? Yes. Doesn't the horse run the guy down? It does, but like it looks like the top of his head comes off, which is what's confusing. Oh. There's like a almost like he gets scalped or something. Okay, so I don't remember that part of it, but I was saying, didn't like the horse trample him basically? The, hor- the horse is involved in some way, and I wasn't sure if it was like the horse's armor that like clipped him, okay, or what. But yeah, the horse is involved. Uh, I'm pretty sure the horse like tramples him. As far as no, he's, he's dead before the horse runs him over. Like something happens to oh. his head. I don't. I still okay. didn't. I, but like I said, I rewound it a couple times, and I couldn't. I couldn't piece it together. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'd have to go back and watch. I'm not sure what happened there. Hmm. Um, just coming out of the. I don't know where on that, but uh, yeah, I, and going back to like the, the thing I texted you while I was watching it, it's like, whether it be the opening fight scene or a couple of the other war scenes later or that final duel scene, like all of those scenes are so well shot from like attention and yeah. and like just like like you feel your adrenaline up when they get their like battle, like adrenaline up like that, that like, they see right and they're just going at it. And it's like it's kill or be killed. You feel like you're right in there in them with like in there with them. It's it's I found it to be really like compelling, riveting stuff, but it's also so gross. Yeah. Which like a lot of that has to like I mean like all war obviously mm-hmm. is, but like there's something so intimate and disgusting about like hand to hand combat with swords and axes and knives, and it's like just you see how ex- like ex- what I take away from those like really well shot like realistic. It's, it's exhausting. Yeah, right? exhausting you're wearing- and brutal and every. Like everything looks like Disgusting. it hurts so bad. You're wearing all that armor, and you have the shield or that sword or that axe, and it's all heavy, and you're dehydrated because you haven't learned the lessons of hydration until like 2000. Yeah. Um, and it you just you you're swinging whatever weapon, and you can't even lift your arm after a certain point beyond adrenaline, and Ugh. it's just disgusting. Yeah disgusting stuff but you can't look away because it's so riveting and for that to culminate with one of the more revolting scenes i've ever seen where like you already referenced he he's got the knife there and he knees the guy's head into the knife that's one of the grosser yeah i mean it's i guess the one plus is that it's so obviously a prop that he's stabbing yeah that makes it it doesn't quite bring it up to the level of like, uh, I still can't watch the knife scene from saving private Ryan mm-hmm. where it's like, because it's, you're not even seeing the, I mean, you see a little bit of like the knife, like whatever going in. And that's obviously a prop too, but from that perspective, you can't tell that it's a, mm-hmm. a prop, but it, you see that intimate, like the, the eye to eye stare down and, and all of the, the sounds that are associated with it. Whereas this like gross sounds terrible, looks gross, but it's so obviously a prop, but it's still disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, oh, so so gnarly, and then he's dragged the streets and hung by his feet. That was excessive, right? Like, sure. especially like on the one hand, I get it because you set an example, mm-hmm. and it's like this is very obviously supposed to be. We're only really allowing this duel for two reasons. One, sorry, three reasons. One, we don't really like Carouge, <laughs> but he he has a point. Yeah. Two, we could all use some sport. <laughs> And well, I mean, considering they all get their bloodlust up, yeah. like cheering on this fucking fight. Um, and three, eh, <laughs> like you know, like just, eh, yeah, why not? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and well, actually, you can even add a, a more important one. It sets an example, right? Sure. This this could be you. Mm-hmm. Your body could be defiled and shamed, and everyone's going to talk about this for a decade. And this site, like it's. 
you buyer beware. You want to go rape a, a, a noble lady? Your her husband might come and fucking kill the shit out of you, and we're gonna treat you like a piece of garbage, <laughs> literally and metaphorically. Like that whole thing is true, but also I was disgusted by all of this. Like they're like they went from rooting against Carouge, actively rooting for Legree, to the moment of silence, then cheering for Carouge, and like. There's people who want him to like sign their baby. Right, right. And then they start cheering for uh Legree being dragged through the street, even though they were yeah. from not moments. Disgusting. Ago. All right, I've got I've got some questions. So but before I ask those questions, can you click the camera button on Skype and turn it off for a second, turn it back on? Because you've fr- you've been frozen in a very funny way for a while and it's distracting. Oh shit, I am frozen. <laughs> if it doesn't work, it's fine. And they could not connect to your selected camera. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, that's fine. That's, that's, this is less distracting than you making a kissy face. Uh, <laughs> all right. So uh, question number one. I actually forgot the question I was going to ask. Um, okay. Yeah. Question number one. Why does the Gree choose to not be tried by the clergy? Um, is it because he knows he's guilty? I don't remember exactly. I think he was Afraid his name was, was going to be drug, dragged through the mud. Well, actually, I wonder if he was it like he was more afraid of what the punishment would be associated with that. Where basically he's like, well, when it comes down to a duel, like I, I got a pretty good chance of winning. Yes. Whereas, maybe like that's with the was. clergy, like, like, like death may be better than some of the censure that they're going to sure. Do to but it, it, it's kind of then, it's kind of funny though because that in itself kind of proves that he's guilty. I feel like because like he. If he felt that he was not guilty, then he probably would have just went with it because he already has an in with the clergy that they would be like, okay, yeah, you're not guilty. Especially because well, it know. seems like they, they side with the man. It sounded like 90... They, I think they said something like, the majority of the time in uh, a rape case, they'll side with the male's point of view. They like said something along those lines um, when he was weighing his options. I don't remember. I think I wonder if it came down to... I, I don't remember the details of that, but I, just me, like, kind of speculating based on the course of the movie. Remember, he left the clergy. Right. Like, he was training to be a priest, decided that wasn't for me. I don't know if he worried about resentment over that. Oh, okay, maybe. That he was maybe. ungodly because he had already left that life, To Remember, at one point, one of them, let's call it shrewdly, says, mm, this isn't really about ye- what you or a woman saying. She belongs to her husband, so it's really between you. Oh, and her that was another line that I was like, "Oh God!" <laughs> yeah. So you know the, what they're basically saying, right, is that he owns her. And yeah. You've now, you've now, you haven't raped a woman. You raped his property. That, right. Oh my God. That was basically the line. I was like, "Oh yes, my good lord," which <laughs> is truly shocking yeah. uh, and yet not surprising at all. And so I, you know, I wonder if it was another thing where it's like, if it comes down to those sorts of things, do the merits of the one property versus the other and all of that shit. So, yeah. Also probably, I, I think to him, he probably viewed it as a cleaner solution, right? Whoever wins is, is innocent. Whoever loses is guilty. Right. Whereas this trial, how long does it drag on? Is there any way for me to prove my innocence? Is there any way for them to prove my guilt in a way that I don't know like like it just was going to be an ugly protracted situation whereas all right we're going to go through all this but at the end there's going to be a very finite duel and one of us will be alive and one of us won't be and the, the person who's alive gets off scot-free yeah 
Um, you brought up another terrible line, which was the whole thing about like it wasn't the woman that was raped; it was the it was the man's property that was raped. That was horrible. Um, but not to be outdone by Karuja's mother being like, "I was raped. I got over it." And I was like, "What in the world?" Is this- yeah, right. Like, which again, there are some of these things that maybe are like ever so slightly too subtle, where it's like that's the whole thing, right? Is you always expect another woman to be sympathetic because right. surely you've, in some way, shape, or form, gone through some of the same things. Even if like you haven't been raped, you've been groped or harassed or whatever, right? right. Like, like surely you can sympathize, and it's like realizing that like yeah we see this so many times right like there was the all those situations with like slavery where it's like other black people sometimes were the worst like like look at uh, um uh, Django, like Mm. the samuel L. jackson character right Right. like he's really like the worst person in that movie because he's actively helping to perpetuate against his own people rather than rebelling against Mm. older right like same thing like here it's like the mother was raped she should be her strongest advocate and it's like Nah, fuck you. Like, yeah, just rough. deal with it. Like, it's like if there were ever going to be someone in your corner, it should be her. And like, that's like probably the cruelest betrayal. Yeah, yeah. And then not not like they ever got along, but like still, like someone should should be able to not just empathize, but sympathize. Well, yeah, having nobody in her corner was really rough. Um, especially like her best friend, who was like, "Well, you did say that he was cute." And it's like, what? What? Yo, I you, wanted to. S- are you are you doing the you were asking for an argument? Because we got to not do this. <laughs> Wait, it was honestly it was worse than that too. Like I don't advocate sla- hitting women, but I kind of wanted to slap her, and it's okay because she existed seven hundred years ago. It's not feasible realistically. Like because oh it wasn't God. just that whole thing of like asking for it. It was like, it, it, like it was just you were asking for it. It's like ew, but yeah, like, we've heard that's a tale as old as time. Unfortunately, yeah. But it was like, mm, I don't believe you. I think secretly you want to fuck him and like you're just embarrassed about it. And it's like, ew. Mm-hmm. Ew. And then there was the only, so here's like the only. Also, like, I feel like she was jealous. Yeah, I think, like, there I think was that, definitely that was a part, part of it, of it was for sure. jealousy too. Because like, she was the oh, one that like brought it up God. over and over again. Yeah, she was the one who, uh, yeah, in that scene that I was mentioning where she was like, mm, yeah, he's attractive, but like he's a piece of shit. Like she was the one who was hot after him. And it's yeah. like, stop. Yeah. And then uh, the only other thing that I thought was, uh, you know, it's 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 odd, is that uh, Karuja's mother leaving with everybody from the estate that yeah. day, and it's like, also I- the one like if you want to put on your tinfoil hat, like there's a conspiracy theory there that like, uh, um, the Lady Marguerite and Jean were like working together to bring down the character of Legree. Like that, that could have been another interesting aspect of it, right? Like if that were actually the case, that's not what was happening based on the storytelling. That was, it's just something that could have been like, if you were, if there was like a good lawyer, <laughs> I feel like that that would have been like the argument to be like, or something to look into would be like, well, why was she gone? This is highly unusual. Like that there's no other witnesses. Like there's something, there was something there that was interesting. Um, I know it's just that the mother was a bitch to um, <laughs> to the Lady Marguerite, but it's just... Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a part of it. I almost... I wish they had actually gone into a little more detail there as to what was going on, because it was so weird. Like, Carouge gives the order, like, yeah, you're, like, you're not to be left alone. Like, you're going to have X, Y, and Z stay at the, the house with you. And she's like, no, I'm taking everyone. It's like, 
why? And like, we never get a follow up list to like what her explanation is to why she, like, she didn't need all those people. Yeah. The fuck does she need the entire household for her to go away for like a day to do business? Like, you could probably get along with five people, right? Yeah. And I'd say like uh, that would have been an interesting, uh, an interesting like storytelling piece if that had something to do with it. But it, it's completely moot because uh, Legree's story is like, no, I was there, I did it. It's just I, like, <laughs> it's like okay, well, I guess we're throwing that one out the window. Also, the guy who plays his friend. This is kind of just like a brief aside that's not super important. The guy who plays his friend. I've seen him in one other thing, and he plays a total disgusting shitbag in that too as well even worse than he is in this. He was in the first season of the terror, which was a really good season of television. The, the um, terror. Yes. Hmm. I don't. What was his name? I know. The, what was his name in the movie? I don't remember. I'm trying to, trying to look up who guy was. with long, long hair and um, a little bit of like a chin beard and mustache. Yeah. I remember it like him in the movie, but for some reason I can't find who he is. Anyway, I'm sure I could probably find it in, give you the guy's name but yeah I, I i forget what his name was it i want to say maybe it's mr blanky in the in the terror but um not that it's super important but yeah i just it was funny it was like oh wow he looks exactly the same in this because he's playing another person of like the older yeah obviously well before modern times mm. um uh, of course he's not on the first page here <laughs> <Son of a bitch. laughs> like that's how it always goes sure. right? but overall though I, it was just a really well done movie. I think what, yeah. well, there's something I was alluding to in the beginning of like a manipulated history. It's like there were some things I was reading after the fact that like how the story of that duel was used like in different contexts, like to bring certain changes about. Like for the example, like for the outlawing of the duel eventually, like one of the arguments that was being made was that, well, you know, well, Legree didn't actually lose. He slipped on some blood. And it's like, well, okay, but you just, like, you were going at this thing, like, whatever God decides is is how it plays. But but now, no, because it's not in your favor um, was interesting. And, like, other... Also, like, any duel like that was always a fight to the death. He died. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's over. And it's like, but the fact that, the, that there's, still, there's still an argument, it's just like, of course, it's still a goddamn argument. So I found the guy. His name is Adam Nagaitis. N a g a i t i s is the name. The actor's name. He played Adam Lavelle. Uh, Adam played Adam. He played Adam Lavelle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's see if we can find him. I'm trying to. Okay, there he goes. Adam. Sorry, he was Cornelius Hickey. I thought it was Blanky Hickey. Whatever. Same thing. What is the? What um, is the? What are these names? He was Cornelius Hickey. He was Conductor Jimmy. <laughs> Well, because he always seems to be playing, like, the terror took place in, like, the 1850s or something like Mm. that. Gotcha. Cool, man. Anything else on this movie? Yes. um, A very light Diane Krugering. Um, Sometime last week on Jeopardy, there was a question about the events of this movie. It wasn't about the movie. It was about the real-life events about this. And I was, like, you know, I was eating dinner had Jeopardy on and there was a question about um, a disagreement or something. I'm, I'm paraphrasing that between uh, Jean de Carouge and Jacques Legree. And I was like, I like popped up and I was like, I know those names. <laughs> Why would I know those random French names? I was like, that was the last duel. <laughs> and the, uh, you know, the answer was, you know, the, it was, it was act- the question was actually about the book. Okay. Um, like it was like, you know, Oh, like these real life events involving uh, whatever between, you know, 
two lesser nobles, you know, Jacques Legree and John de Cruz. I was like, why do I know those random French names? And I was like, that that's it. I, I felt like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> in uh, the, the, what's it called? Once upon a time in Hollywood where he, he's watching the TV and he sits up and he points at the TV. <laughs> I was like, that, I love that meme. I was thinking about that like during this. So I was like, so that's the thing. I just watched it. <laughs> that's funny. Little, I like the idea of the slight Krugering. Um, one, I've got one more note. What's a question okay. for you? See if you can spot it. What mm-hmm. was? There's only one. There's only one correct answer to this question. Okay. What was the most dramatic scene in the last duel? Dramatic. Yep. Hmm. It's tough to tell because there's three perspectives here. Mm. I'm not sure. What is it? It is when Legree picks up the glove and whips his cape back. <laughs> oh. He did whip his cape a couple I, of times, but that was by far the most dramatic. I thought that he was going to like disappear in a puff of smoke. Like, it, was, <laughs> it looked like a magician doing a twirl of some kind. I actually forgot about that until you just brought it up. But yes, that was <laughs> rather absurd. It was going to apparate. Oh, man. Cool, man. Well, that was a lot of fun. It was a good flick. I yes. enjoyed it. Well, that's all for this week's episode of Flicks in a Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to flicksinasix at thespintune.com. Tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanzo. I'm Al Bielsi. Thanks for coming out.